Hello and welcome to the winter break edition of the Liverpool Way podcast. Befitting the season, there's been some snow on the ground and there's no game until Bournemouth away at the weekend. We've got plenty to chat about though, thanks to some newsworthy items and some great listener questions. I'm Chris Smith and I'm joined as always by TLW editor Dave Usher and Paul Natton. Unfortunately, none of the lads with a decent memory were available, so these questions are going to be interesting. <laughs> Dave, how's the, the, the winter break been so far for you, or six days of it? Yeah, not too bad. I went to uh, went down south at the weekend. Gail and Adriana were going to that Warner Brothers studio tour thing. I'd done it before. I didn't want to do it, so I booked myself in to play golf. Played at a nice fancy course, West Hertfordshire. It was really nice. nice. Not, not what I'm used to, to be honest. It's like teeing off on the first and there's deer grazing on the side of the fairway. I'm like, no yeah, that's, I'm like, fuck, I've stood there just looking at it. I took a photo of it and everything because I'm like, this is just weird. I normally play at Bootle. The only wildlife you see there are fucking staffies and the potheads fishing in the ponds. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but no, it was, it was nice. Yeah, it was is nice that just telly? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of course, at Bootle as well, you've got Dame, Dave Lister's uh, butt crack divot yeah. when he lost his virginity as a 12-year-old yeah. as well, so... That's nice. One for the Red Dwarf fans there. Yeah. Um, did your play befit the setting? Did you play well? Uh, I played all right. I was, it was going along nicely. Uh, and then I had a bit of a disaster. I got to the eighth. And I was only two over at that point. But he hit me ball over the green. And it went down this, like, uh, it was like a big steep embankment. So I'm looking for my ball for you know, around the top of it. And I thought, oh, it's probably rolled down. So I walked down. Well, I say walk. I slid down, just about stayed on my feet. I couldn't fucking get back up to the green. It was this, like, big... <laughs> Honestly, it was like it was probably like a 25-foot drop. And it was all around the green. And every time I tried to climb up, my shoes were full of, like, mud and leaves. So I had, like, no, no traction. And every time I tried to, to climb up, like, I fell and slid down again. And I was, like, I was actually getting worried at this point because there was hardly anybody on the course. And I'm like... What if I can't get up here? What if I'm stuck here? <laughs> and I, I ended up like I was like, right, compose yourself, compose yourself. You know, you, you, I'm sure you you can you can get up. You've got down, you can get up. So I thought, what do I do? So I scraped all the shit off my shoes for the start. I thought, okay, if I could just give myself a little bit of a, I can get halfway up. And I ended up the way I, I crawled up was like basically just on all fours. Like, I was like, that's like fucking gladiators climbing up the wall. <laughs> I was covered in mud when I got up to the top. So after that, I was like, it just shook me, and I was like, I, I'm out of me, I'm out of me, me zone now. Like so, yeah. Me, me game just went to shit. Then like, and I only played about twelve holes, and then then I was panicking because it was starting to get dark, and I didn't know my way back to the clubhouse. And my phone battery was on 8%. I'm like, am I going to be just wandering around these fucking forests with the deer? <laughs> so I thought, I'm going now. I'm leaving while I've still got daylight. So I, I played like 12 hours and then got off. But despite all that, it was really nice just being out in like, you know, beautiful nice. surroundings with the wildlife and that. So yeah, it was good. Welcome to your 50s, Dave. <laughs> you wouldn't have been very good in World War One, would you, Dave, to be honest? Like, in no, the no. Trenches, you'd have been. Uh, I wouldn't have been able to get out the trench, would I? So, at least I'd have survived. <laughs> They'd be like, over the wall, come on. And I'd be like, I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> How about you, Paul? How's your... Oh, I, I can't compete with Dave's golf story there, mate. Sorry. Uh, back to where, back into the groove of things. That, that's about it. Not, not a lot of exciting going on here. 
Um, just uh, had a lovely Christmas, had, had some nice time off with the family and that. But yeah, just back to it really. Same as the rest of the world. Good. What have you been? I had a little to? date with. Um, I had a little date with your guys' mate over the weekend. Hooray! Oh yeah. Uh, Fuck. Yeah. He's after all the shit he pulled. He somehow thinks he can just walk back into my life and. Uh, <laughs> You know, no. Um, Luis Suarez had his introductory press conference uh, into Miami. Um, there was an open training session in the morning as well, but I had a bit too much to drink the night before, so I didn't really feel like getting up and going to it. But it was like Suarez and Messi and Busquets and Alba and all that. I kind of regret it now. <laughs> no um, shit. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, I didn't have a commission. Like I, but I, you know, I got myself in for the press conference and wanted to go uh, go along and. Put, put my glimpse on him and just you, you know what he's not as ugly as I remember him being no he's definitely he's, you start he's to soften already space, mate he? I know. he's softening yeah. already Dave I oh, we, oh, him, will, you know, you'll, you'll be like you'll be like us yeah. in a couple of weeks all the old all the old memories started to flood back all those old good memories of biting and <laughs> you know, <laughs> next, next time I, you go you should wear a John Ruddy mask <laughs> just make him feel wrong <laughs> 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 no, but um, you know, I did find myself starting to warm to him a little bit. I was gonna—I had a good question lined up for him, but with Inter Miami, it's weird because like almost all of the people who cover the team, a lot of the people who cover the team are uh, Latino. A lot of the, you know, most of the players are Spanish-speaking, and even the English reporters ask their questions in Spanish. It's almost like you know being being in South America or something. So I had a good question lined up. I was going to ask him. What he said to Darwin about his finishing and whether he's given him any advice and what oh, he needs to do question. to come good. Oh, and that would have been what the mesh, you know. But I, but I, I don't go as regularly to these press conferences as I should do, and all of the regulars get their questions, so I probably wouldn't have got it anyway. But I was too intimidated because nobody had asked a question in English, and I'm not going to be the fucking yeah. the one uneducated fuck who you know shows his ignorance by not being able to converse in Spanish. In the Spanish-speaking market, so you've got to go you know, in with a "Sorry, I don't speak Spanish, Lewis," but and then switch to your English. Well, after I did some, some after almost more or less towards the end, it was the second to last question. Someone did ask one in English, and it was just like, "Have you had a conversation with David Beckham yet?" Um, and Suarez answered in English best he could. And if I'd have had the opportunity, I'd have just said, "Like, I'm asking you this question in English. Feel feel free to answer the question in Spanish because." He answered everything really deliberately and took ages over the answers and everything. And was quite happy and jovial. I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to seeing him play now. So, I would have, I would also felt a little bit ah asking him a question because I haven't been very complimentary of him down the years. So it would have been a bit weird for this bloke who's like really been outspokenly critical of him. Um, all of a sudden, to ask him a question in good faith, I would have felt a bit yeah, but the, 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 the ice has started to melt now. I can hear it in your voice. So yeah. next next press conference, you're back. You're back. You can right, ask him whatever definitely. you want. But you could have just said, I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> right. If you can get back up the so, slope from the golf course to hear the answer. <laughs> and, and you're yeah, wearing definitely. a TLW pod t-shirt as well. I did. I did. That, rep- that, I, I that was boss, that. Love that. Yeah, I was I was thinking he might it might be a bit of an inform me because he might have recognised the liver bird on yeah. the on the crest, but there was loads of people there. It's like a hundred people there. The interest is huge, so um, it's going to be it's going to continue to be fun to cover into Miami and, and watch into Miami as well. Now and I think he's going to be he'll be ace for him, won't he? Because his winning mentality is such yeah. that he's not just going to come there and just down tools and 
you know, dick about for a year, like some of the, no. like, you know, say Gareth Bale, for instance, that's going to piss Jules off, but all of those jabronis who just come over for the retirement tour. Well, look um, when he went to Brazil. He went, like, they, yeah, they were exactly. newly promoted. Did they win the title in the end? I know they were, like, they were going for the league with a couple of games to go. I don't know if they won it or not, but he basically joined a, t- a newly promoted team and almost won them the title. So, yeah, he's not going to go there and just phone it in. No chance. I'll tell you what, he's not capable of it. Three of us can have a discussion about Suarez without it descending into a a fight again. (laughs) 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 That's good news, right? Do you know what, though? It's probably better that you didn't didn't get to ask it on his introductory press conference because that's going to be all about into Miami and all that. But you may get a chance when things have settled down and he, he may do another press conference and you could maybe slip one in then without it being seen as, what the fuck are you asking that for? You know, this is his unveiling. No, I don't. I don't. I generally speaking, don't give a shit about that. When players and people are in front of the media, as far as I'm concerned, it's an open forum to ask them whatever burning yeah. question you, you've got for them, really. So that wouldn't have bothered me. But you know, it might have bothered their right. press office, though. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, whatever. Um, yeah, fuck that. <laughs> all right. So uh, we've got loads of decent questions, but um, a couple of things have happened in the break. Like City have had a game and won. De Bruyne came back and Lukmastard won the game for them. So that's put the shits up a bunch of reds. Uh, Trent went to Milan and dressed like an absolute... I mean, you know, you Liverpool lads have your own sense of fashion. What do you reckon, Paul? Was that was that a good look for him? or? Yeah, it... I don't know. It, 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 it was a bit on the weird side, wasn't it? But I think Trent likes to carve out that little space for himself that's just this side of... Um... DCL doesn't he? You know, I think he he's into all he's into loads of stuff that most of the other players aren't into. You know, he's big into his Formula One and all of that. You don't see loads of footballers around that, or maybe Jules will correct me on that one. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, what I was I was just thinking about that 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 fashion shoot. What's his kind of end game there? Is he kind of is is it just something he's genuinely into, or is it part of the whole brand trend thing? Don't know. It's it was a bit weird. Like it was weird. Yeah, it made me and a little bit. Uncomfortable to be honest. I'm like, I'd rather he was just like what the other lads are doing, because Trent's contract situation's starting to become, starting to loom over us a little bit. Mm. It's not really being spoke about, but eighteen months now and doesn't look like this beat. And I'd say there's no development, but we never know, do we? It's like Pierce did something in the in the Athletic today about it. It was just a very basically all he was doing was was raising the flag to say, Virgil, Mo. And Trent are all in the last eighteen months. But for but all anyone worry, knows, though, Paul, like they may, they may well sign and announce it tomorrow. You know, yeah. we don't normally get warning that it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, Pierce's take was they... Pierce's take is that the club has really has got really tight relationships with all three players and, and their agents, mm. um, and it's nothing to worry about. Um, I I would have thought we'd be it would be sound. He's got going anywhere. He won a lot of money though, and rightly so because he's fucking brilliant. Yeah, but I don't know if he's he's liking this European lifestyle and and all of that, and then Bellingham's at Madrid. I don't oh know. man, I wouldn't that be that. the fucking hell day? Get him tied down. Fucking hell! I can't settle until that contract's done. I'm not worried in the slightest about Virgil and Mo. That that will take care of itself. They'll sign. I'm not worried. Scouser, vice captain, he's going nowhere. We just got to not take the piss. You say that. What if all along, though? What if all along we were thinking, oh, yeah, Trent's out there doing Jude's Jude's bidding, you know, going to bring him to Anfield? And that whole time it was basically just Jude Billington. Now I'm going to Madrid in the summer and and you can join me a year later (laughs) and we'll hook up together that way. Oh, God. 
No, so, Dave, you put a fucking downer on it now. That's done me. I didn't know why you said that. It's being realistic. You're not being realistic. You're being fucking pessimistic. I'm being realistic. There might be a copyright it... issue with Dan here. Dan's no, normally the one who's got the, ne- the negative. I'm just tea. saying it's a possibility. I'm not saying it's likely, but it's a possibility as long as that contract isn't signed. Get it done. Get him signed. It'll be. It'll get done. It'll get. Move, Chris. Move on. Move on. Move on. Okay. All I was going to say is there are shades of David James about the whole Armani or GQ or whatever it was. No, he's fucking brilliant. He's too good. He's yeah. too good for David yeah. James. Um, Paul, we had um, Howard Webb on TV tonight, and I know that's something you wanted to... Well, Dave said you wanted to touch on it. I mean, you haven't spoken before the <laughs> podcast today, so... Um, like, Dave said he didn't want to watch it because it would just repulse him too much. What did you make of that justification? For, well, not justification, but that pseudo-admission of uh, an incorrect decision that cost us so big against Arsenal? I mean, basically, he's like, I don't know, I said something in the group chat. I, I, I haven't watched the whole show. Just Terry Terry just posted the one about um, the Odegaard handball that we didn't get against Arsenal. And so I watched that because Terry had linked it up in the in the chat. And, uh, I mean, Howard's, Howard Webb's take is basically, I mean, he basically stands there in his fucking slick suit with those, those like, coached sort of, yeah. like, um, hand gestures that he does with Michael Owen sort of as his stooge to the side. And he basically just goes, yeah, we were wrong, next. That's that's the subtext of what he was saying. Mm. And I just, the thing, the thing, the whole thing for me is, he, he, I mean, he made some comments about, um, you know, the, the, the noise, the narrative around the people in the game afterwards was, those should be handballs, and I agree. Well, fucking yeah, everybody thought that at the time. It was absolutely bizarre. And yet your lads had all this extra time to watch it and came to a completely different conclusion. And yet he's just so kind of like blasé about the whole thing. It's, I mean, his, his whole demeanour was just, yeah, wrong, next one, move on. Just like there was no contrition, there was no sense, that it, no, no shame, no embarrassment. You know, I just the thing that just makes me angry about all this is the way pricks like this always stay in the jobs. There's just fuck all accountability for people like him, I think. You know, it's yeah. always the, count, the accountability goes to the middle or especially to people at the bottom, but fuck all for people at the top. I just think this guy's coming here with this, supposedly with this mandate to completely fix what was broken. And he's taken what, what was bad to worse. You know, he's had the worst, the worst um, refereeing controversy in the history of the English game, I think. Uh, us, you know, the, the, no, the thing no that affected us against that. Spurs. That's a fact. He's had that happen on his watch and he just swans, he just got sort of like, yes, we got it wrong. Move on to the next one, and then there's the, 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 then there's a, a litany of things that go against successive clubs. Wolves have been battered com- continually with bad decisions going against them. I think Brighton had their turn, didn't they? Last year, and, Brighton, yeah. Yeah, and and he just all he does is just kind of like just do his little slick show with his little slick sidekick, um, bland as fuck the whole thing, and it's just kind of um, a, a brief explanation, really trite. Flip it all, and then, yeah, we were wrong. Just got to do, and just move on. It wasn't even an attempt to say sorry. It's just bullshit. The whole thing's bullshit. I mean, I'm going over ground that I don't think anybody who's into footy would disagree with. VAR is fucking shit. I, I br- briefly listened to um, John linked up. Jeff Stalin's got a new podcast, and he linked it up in the group chat today. And I, uh, when I was out scraping the frozen snow and ice off the drive before after my tea, I was listening to that, and James Milner was on it. And, he, and Jeff Stalin asked him near the end about VAR. And Milner's answer is basically what pretty much everyone now says in the game when they're asked about it. Um, this, he basically said, it's absolutely fucking shit, but we're stuck with it. 
I mean, obviously those weren't his exact words, but that is basically what everyone is saying. You hear any player, any pundit talking about VAR now, and certainly any fans, and that's what they say. And the whole thing's just a joke. And what 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 pisses me off most about it all is that it just seems to be taking the game further away from the people who matter the most, which is the fans and the players. It's yeah. shit. Mm-hmm. And Howard Webb just epitomises all of that. And the worst thing is, he wants you to fucking think how, um, I don't know, how professional he is while he tells you that he's shit at his job with his shitty little suit and his shitty yeah. little hand gestures. Fucking bella. Bad Tory. Bad but Tory. I, fucking you know, busy cunt. What, what, what is the point of the show, though? Because I don't think it... All it does, I think it just makes people more pissed off. I don't think it solves anything or makes you look at things in a more sympathetic light and go, oh, yeah, okay, I can see why they were thinking that. I just think it's it's a fucking joke. And you talk about accountability, and you're saying, like, there's no accountability for Web, and it's always, like, people lower down. I don't think there's accountability for anybody with PGMOL. You know, what what happens to them when, like, you fuck up? They get a week in the championship. But, I mean, you go back to down in England. I said that at the time, and I still say it now, even months after the fact, when, like, you, you think they've had a bit more time to calm down or whatever. He should not have worked again in, in football. That that mm-hmm. mistake was so bad. And not just the mistake that he made, but the fact yeah, that he I then that. didn't correct it. What What do you have to do to get sacked? Because that's as bad as you could possibly do. Other than like assaulting a player, although we've seen that happen as well, that and we've got to right. that. Yeah, but what what can you do that as in in his position? What could he do that was worse than what he did? There's like there's nothing. So that's as bad as it gets. And what was his punishment? His punishment was you're not working on Liverpool games anymore. Well, hang on a minute. This is the, nothing was made. They'd probably that, all but, welcome that, wouldn't well, they? Yeah, but here's the <laughs> thing. If if this was just a genuine mistake. And he wasn't like trying to fuck Liverpool over. Why is his punishment not the same as everybody else's? Where it's like, okay, you've got a week in the championship, or you know, a month in the championship, whatever, whatever the punishment is. And then when he comes back, he's he's just as likely to cover Liverpool games as he is everybody else. The fact that keeping him away from our games just makes no sense. It's like, so you're telling me like you don't trust him to do our games? Is is that what you're saying? You think he's going to fuck us over again? So that's why he's not allowed in our games. Or is because if Paul Tierney can keep working Liverpool games, I don't see why Darren England isn't on Liverpool games because Paul Tierney has fucked us so many more times than Darren England did. Which you know that was as it, it was bad as it gets, but he wasn't on our radar until that one was he. You know I, I don't remember him doing anything in any of our games prior to that. Nothing massively significant, but like. I just don't see how you can do something in whatever whatever line of work you're in. There's like certain things where if you if you do something that's like so egregious, there's no way back. That's it's like look, I'm sorry, it's not working out. We we can't have you back. You're you're done. And Darren England should have been fucked off immediately after that game. The fact he's mm-hmm. still doing games now, it, it makes me sick. You go you're going over old ground a little bit here. Like, yeah. have you got anything like to to add like to what Webb said or? Um, I mean, I, I, I only know what Paul said, is, so I don't know. Yeah, the way I look at it, it's just like VAR is footies nine eleven. Like it happened, the world changed irrecoverably after that, and there's no going back to the way it was before. So, you know, it's, it's going to suck now, basically. And Milner said that, like, and Milner's supposedly saying we're stuck with it. Well, I said this before. We're not stuck with it if the players and the managers say, you know what, fuck this off. And they, if they all come together and say, we're not playing games until you get rid of it, there would be At absolutely... The expense of... They'd have to get rid of VAR. They'd have to. 
But why would they? Like you know, they're all because there'd be no footy you know, if the players and, and managers were, were like basically I know they're not going to are they? Because they're just fucking. But if they all hate it, they multi millionaires and stuff, and they're not going to put that at risk, are they? Like they're not going to be in it's breach of their contracts risk. by refusing to play and that kind of stuff, are they? So they're not going to be at risk. You're assuming if they that they stand care together. That much. No, but that I know that's exactly what yep. I'm saying. If they don't care that much, or they they're the ones with the power. We're not the ones with the power. There's absolutely fuck all. Do you know, do you know do. what I do? You know what I think about all of this. I think it's almost what worries me slightly is, unlike most, I've while whilst I absolutely deplore what football costs these days. I mean, it's just a, it's just obscene. Like, and we just accept that it's obscene, don't we? And we we all lash out a fucking fortune, you know, to go the game costs a fortune, to watch it legally costs a fortune. However, I've always kind of, in my mind, justified that because I think the quality of the of the game itself, of the football, is just the best it's ever been, generally speaking. It's, it's the professionalism of the players, the athleticism of the players, the pace it's played at, the, the amount of goals that are scored, the quality of the attacking football. I just think it's all the best it's ever been, in my view. But what worries me about shit like this is it's just getting, it's 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 getting too smart. It's getting too clever. And I wonder if this can become. It, it slowly becomes like the death of a thousand cuts, where they keep just doing making these little changes and they fuck each one up. And over time, it just erodes. There won't be a dramatic fall off in support. But what it'll do is it'll alienate people. And people think this is shit, and then football will just incrementally just fall away a little bit. I don't think football's too big to fail. It's too popular to fail. But I just think the product that I've used that I didn't want to use that phrase, but I've used it. The, the the game that we love the most, the game that we absolutely love the most, will not quite be the same because of this and other things. You know, they're talking about things like the sin bin and all that shit. I mean, if it's not broken, why are you trying to fucking fix it? The thing I used to really admire about the way they set the stall out with the laws of the game is that it was this universality of it in that the, the, the game can be refereed in the same way in a World Cup or Champions League final as it can be refereed in like, you know, when Adriana used to play for that yeah. for her girls team, Dave, when she yeah. was like 11 and 12. The same standards of refereeing and the same laws can be applied to that. Now that's gone. It's totally gone. And it's not for the betterment of the game. It's also not for the betterment of the spectacle. You think of all lots of the rule changes, the law changes over the years, three points for a win, back, back, the back pass rule, mm. many of the adjustments to the offside laws, although recently it's got ridiculous. They've all been about making the game more exciting, more attacking. Yeah. Um, you know, rules to stop the to stop the goalkeeper picking the ball up and holding it, all, all of that, not just back pass, you know, amounts of time that the keeper can have it for, all of those sorts of things. It makes the game more exciting. What this is doing is going the opposite way, yeah. and it's absolutely killing the emotion of, of, yeah. of the game. If if, this, if football is not about an emotive reaction to exciting passages of play or controversial passages of play, then what's it about? And yeah. VAR is just denuding it of all of that. It's absolute fucking bullshit. Just a quick point on, right. on what you said there, <clears throat> really quick. Um, I totally agree with you about like the standards being higher than ever before, all of that stuff. Totally agree, hundred percent. And yet, as a spectacle, it's not—it's not as enjoyable, and we know why. Yeah, that, that's the bottom line. So it yeah, should right. be more enjoyable than ever because the standard's so high. But it's not, and, and it's because of all the stupid changes they brought in. 
Yeah. All right. Good point. Right. Um, let's get on to some of the questions then. I've picked out one that is particularly fun because we've gone a little bit longer than I'd, I'd hoped for on the VAR stuff. Um, Darren Hughes on Twitter asks, <clears throat> picture the scene with an exclamation point. To save your life, Liverpool have to win a penalty shootout. Which five Liverpool players from any era do you choose to be your champions? I love that. It's got like a Game of Thrones uh, sort yeah. of element to it. Or to rephrase it, uh, who do you think are the top five penalty takers that have played for us? I think that's a slightly different question, really. Like, if you're talking about to, if you're talking about life saving to score a penalty, yeah. or if you're talking about like good penalty takers, but uh, who are you going for, Dave? Um, well, either way, I'm going for the same the same five because I feel like okay. the two go hand in hand. Um, the first two, absolutely no question in my mind, was Molby and Aldridge. Um, I put them clear ahead of everyone else. Uh, I'd add Milner in there. Balls of steel, great penalty record. I trust Milner as much as I trust anybody. I'm putting Gerard in there because he's done it on like the biggest of occasions. I know he's missed some as well, but he's still in the top five percentage wise for for penalties, um, mm. and he scored like the, the biggest ones. So that's four, and then the fifth one was Phil Neal or Danny Murphy. I, I always trusted Danny Murphy with penalties, but I think I'll go for Phil Neal just because. He took more and he took them in like uh, you know bigger games. So yeah, me five: Mulby, Aldridge, Gerrard, Milner, Phil Neal, and I'm taking Kelleher in goal. Okay, nice. Um, Paul, you you're not putting Mo Salah in there? Uh, no. <laughs> do you know? Do you know what I'm going to put in there? So I'm I'm exactly the same as Dave. The very first two I went were um, Big Jan and Aldo. I mean, they're just I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's our age, but. But both of those are absolutely just like the stats the first, back it up, Paul. It's not just that. Right, stats I, back I, it up. I, I, I haven't looked at the stats, but I just, I just, me gut was it. I mean, the the first two names that came to mind were those: Stevie, such a big game player, um, got to be Phil Neal was the other one, and then, and then I, and then I just went Luis Suarez because. <laughs> Because because I just fucking love him and it's and penalties are such big moments as well. He never used to take them. I know he didn't. I don't even care. I don't care. I just know he's such a big, big, big (laughs) moments and big game player. And he'd do something outrageous like just fucking change feet or something. (laughs) Yeah, lash it in the top corner. Just go with his. Just switch feet at the last minute and lash it in the opposite top corner. Chris, Um, next into Miami press conference. (laughs) Ask Suarez if he'd be willing to take a penalty to save Paul's life. Yeah. (laughs) No chance. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's bold of you. That's that's some devotion, man. Um, Fucking love him. For me, the only I think the only one I would change necessarily is I I love Danny Murphy for pens as well. Like uh, the only win I ever saw us have at Old Trafford was the one nil. I think it was in two thousand and four in Gerrard's last season, and we won one nil. It was Danny Murphy penalty. All the other times I've been to Old Trafford, I've seen us get smashed. So that sticks out in the memory for me. That's a pressure situation. The only one I'd consider because of the life-saving elements is Carragher, maybe. Just the conviction of the penalties that he has taken for us in finals before. Like, just balls and reliability. And if I was going to put my life in somebody's hands, then I'd certainly put that in the the hands of him. That's why I made the distinction in terms of the question between best penalty takers and someone who'd save your life. He just strikes me as somebody who'd be like more reliable in that situation because he understood the stakes. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, rather like than that. Suarez, who, you know, 
try a Rabona or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I agree with you on um, Molby. I agree with you on uh, Gerard, Aldo. Milner, and yeah, probably Aldridge as well. Yeah. Yeah. Even with this weird little stutter step that he used to do that looked like he was falling over when he was taking a penalty. He's one of the first ones to do that, though. Like, loads yeah. of them do it now. But And the one time he didn't do it was the one he missed. Yeah. Kind of he was the player. first, wasn't he? I don't remember anyone doing it before him. Maybe someone did it somewhere yeah, else. Probably, he Europe, probably picked but... it up. Um, I know he wouldn't have picked it up abroad because he, he was here first before he went abroad. No, Everyone I don't know. Yeah. yeah, but... Um, <clears throat> on Carragher that's a good point like the only one I remember him missing was for England in the World Cup and that's probably because he was oh. just fucking fed up and wanted to go home <laughs> yeah, I wasn't asked yeah. but no when he had to take them for us how many did he take two I think it was it was only two in shootouts but, but yeah I totally get the one... sentiment yeah yeah alright Aldridge man taking 18 scored 17 ugh yeah. <laughs> that's a bummer fucking that's hell. a bummer it was for the double as well that one wasn't it the uh yeah, yeah, the, the one against Wimbledon. How, how about this? What if it was pod members? You needed like you needed to win a penalty shootout with with. I'm five, not putting my fucking life on any of the on any of those penalties. No, you've got to, You've got no choice. You've got you've got to pick five okay. uh, from from the All pod. Right. I'll let John pick. I've, them got, for I've me. got this. I've got Go this. On. Right, I'm going number one. Ted. Technique, skillful. He's just going to pop it in, and then I'm going to go number two. Uh, John Gallagher blast it straight down the middle. All right, and yeah. then I'm going to go number three. Stu Monty, a nice mid uh-huh. mid round sort of reliable taker. I'm going to go you number four, Dave. Yeah. I'm going to go Brownie number five. You're not to, taking to one yourself for us. No, I did. You know what? I thought about this, and I, um, as much as I would probably trust my technique in normal circumstances, shit under pressure in everything in my life. I'm shit when I'm under pressure in darts, I suck when I'm under pressure in pool, I suck. I just tend to crumble in those situations, so I definitely wouldn't be a, a candidate for it. Like, you know, who, who's who's a good player in that to um, to liken myself to in that respect? Probably Mo, I guess. <laughs> I'd be like, anyway. Um, what What about you? Oh, I, the first three's easy. Myself, John G, Brownie, and then I'm putting you in there, despite what you've just said. And my fifth one. Left footer, maybe. No, I'd, I'd just trust you. I think you you you've got a good left foot, good technique. I'd, I'd trust you above the okay. other lads, basically. Uh, and I'll go John B. I've never seen him take a pen, but he's a Ballon d'Or winner, so that'll do for me. Mm. So, yeah. the, the, as for who'd have them, I'd want least to take them. That's a toss-up between Monty and Dan. I've seen Monty take two pens, and both of them are still in orbit now. Circling <laughs> Lovren's shot from the semi-final, Charlie Adams' pen at Wembley. And Naby Shotsky's Real Madrid in the Champions League final. They're all up there circling round with with the two pens that Monty took. And as for Dan, bless him, like you know, Dan would be our goalkeeper in the shootout, but he wouldn't be taking a pen. Well, he, he couldn't take his own goal kick, no. so we're not letting him take a penalty. This the thing, like, Chris, you, you wouldn't have seen this. You're out. You're out. Used to take them all for him. So when we when we played eleven asides, like Dan couldn't take goal kicks, so we always used to get our out to take the goal kicks. Right. And there was this game, and. 
I'd like pick the team and I'd, I'd put myself like sub and I was coming on for the second half. So the game was just about kicking off and I was walking around behind the goal. So I, I, the game kicks off, the ball goes out straight away. Dan's got a goal kick and I'm walking behind the goal and I'm looking and I'm like, what the, where the fuck's our Al? What's he doing? Nobody came back and I could see the look of terror on Dan's face. <laughs> he, he was absolutely shitting himself. And no, but he didn't want to say, come back and take the goal kick because it's, like, you know, it's a bit embarrassing to say it. So he just bit the bullet and he put the ball down. And I'm looking, I'm thinking, oh my God, what's, this is not going to end well. <laughs> so Dan, Dan goes to take the goal kick. It doesn't go out the box. <laughs> <laughs> it went like it went about four yards and he had to do the walk of shame to walk over and pick the ball up and take it back to the six yard box and then I'm screaming at our Al I'm like ah, what the fuck are you doing get back here and take the goal <laughs> it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen so yeah Dan's not taking a penalty and I'm not having Monty taking one either Paul I, I can't say you because you probably pull your calf <laughs> yeah almost certainly <laughs> That scream to you to Al, Dave, um, must have been a hell of a scream to to make him hear you. Considering you'd have been stood on the up, the opposite six yard box waiting for a fucking. <laughs> I wasn't playing. I told oh, you I'd okay. name myself as a sub. I was walking behind the goal. See if you listen, you'd have known that. But you were just desperate to get your little cheap fucking dig in, weren't you? And I couldn't hang around the six yard box because there was offsides. All right. Well, you had linesmen. No, when you played at the academy, when you played um, Juventus. No, fun. this was um, this was just I can't remember where it was. It wasn't one of the academy games. By the way, both academy games I scored, but that was me old okay. stomping ground, wasn't it? So no surprise there. All <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> oh my god! Move, god, fucking moving on. I move move on, move on. in the youth team, you know. I scored. One Chris, get a, get a grip of him, Chris. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it's ungrippable. Um, <laughs> So okay, so this is this is one I like, Paul. Um, it's from the Rake on the forum, and he said, "How has the match day experience at Anfield changed from when you first started going to now?" And this is this is a really good one. I think it allows us to encapsulate a number of eras and pick up the highs and lows and the, the transient nature of the fan base and that kind of stuff. So, what what you got on this one? Yeah, I, well, I kind of, in some ways, I touched on this before when I was talking about the quality of the football because on one level. It's like exponentially better than it was, um, and that's not. To, so I started going in the in the uh, in the mid to late. So I actually started going um, in the in the double season, Kenny's first season, and then went more regularly over the over the rest of the decade, really. And then when I went went away to university, wasn't able to go as often, and um, we then got into the whole seated cop season ticket waiting list, and it took me a while to be able to get back to the game regularly. <clears throat> but when I first started going, there was a, a load of lads who used to go every week and um, used to go with them from time to time. And it was that whole experience of, you know, getting the train over, walking up from Sandhills, going the chippy, getting in the queue. You'd get there like hours before kickoff, line up to go in the lads' gate, one fifty to get in. Uh, the whole buzz of walking into the, onto the cop, um, particularly when, you know, you're the tail end of the season, you're going for the title... And there's flags everywhere. There's inflatables getting knocked around. Um, the songs going from 15, 20 minutes before kickoff. And I, I know every game wasn't like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. But in your memory, those are obviously the things that stick out. And there was some obviously some brilliant football and brilliant games in that period. But I, I, I actually think um, 
since then, the overall, as I was saying before, the overall quality and consistency of the football has got much, much higher, even though there are moments from that era that would stand with this era, no doubt. But I just think some of the football that we played under Klopp and some of the stuff that Luis Suarez was playing in that era beforehand and those sorts of players and the level that they play at is incredible. But then the flip side of it is as well, there's like a, there's almost a... There's a sense that it's been sanitised as well. I mean, I don't think, you know, those those stories about people pissing in other people's pockets, they're, they're not apocryphal. That, that shit did happen. There was a river of piss running down the centre of the cop every single game, which was deeply unpleasant. And it was a river. It wasn't just a little fucking trickle. And I saw lads get shoved into it. You know, we were talking the other day about a game that got um, stopped or cancelled because somebody, there was an incident in the crowd. Was it Bolton maybe or yeah, somewhere? It was Bolton. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> excuse me, that made me remember almost every week. You'd see it, see, it probably wasn't every week, but it felt like there was some old fella, like in his 60s, some big old fat fella who was unconscious, getting passed hand over hand from the back down to the front because he'd had a heart attack. So that's pretty fucking grim, isn't it? Really, that's how mm-hmm. someone who's in serious need needs needs to be helped. That you wouldn't you wouldn't want to go back to that to those things, even though you can kind of romanticise lots of elements of that time and being. And, being, and there is nothing like the experience of standing on that cop when there's a goal and you end up like that. You might be there. There were times when we were there, there might have been 15 of us who were all there, from all lads and you from school. We were all sort of stood in the same spec. The ball goes in the back of the net and you like you could be like 25 yards further down the cop, leaping over a complete stranger, going absolutely nuts. It might take you five minutes after the goal to all get back together again in the same, in the same place and nothing will replicate that. That was absolutely incredible. But so many of the other things have just come a million miles further forward and, and, and up to date and, and are much, much better. I really deplore the cost side of things. I think there's, there's you know, so many people are... It's, it's become a bit of a cliche, but it's a truism as well. People are financially shut out of the game. You know, you go... The, everyone that sits around me, you know, a sort of my age or older mostly... You, you see a few fellas maybe in the 30s. Anyone in the 20s or younger is a rarity, really, as a regular. You don't see regulars really in the 20s or, or younger than that. Um, you see the odd dad who's lucky enough to have got a, a pair of season tickets and he'll bring, his, he'll bring his kid along every week or he'll alternate between his son and his daughter. Um, but you, when, you know, when, when we used to go in the 80s, you could just rock up and you just, just queue up to get in on the lads' gate. You know, the cop was much, much younger. Like I said, there'd be times when I've been, there might have been 10, 15, 15 of us there, all the same age, you know, 14, 15, 16-year-old lads who all just got up together. You don't see that now. You, you sometimes see that, and you see younger faces, I think, when you see, um, not inside Anfield, inside, you know, the, the away version of that. At the away games, you, you tend yeah. to see some groups, younger groups of lads all stood together. And it is a shame that you, don't, you can't do that anymore. Um well, to go back, I don't know, you can't go back, can you? Um, and there's so much of what happened before that I, I wouldn't want to go back to. You know, the violence of the violence of football back then was horrendous and you don't see much of that now, um, albeit, you know, Jules and I saw the Sean Cox incident. Um, but that's not a regular thing at the game. So broadly speaking, it's for, the match-going experience is, is in a much better place than it was. But we have lost something along the way, there's no doubt about that. Would I go back? Probably not. Um, but there are things that I really do miss and the biggest of all is as I said that experience of being stood on the cop with your mates when the ball goes in the back of the net when you're going for the title and Kenny's your manager fucking hell that's, that was something
You can subscribe to the Liverpool Way podcast on all the major platforms, whether it's Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon or Podbean. Just search for the Liverpool Way, leave us a review and hit subscribe to automatically receive all new episodes. You can also head to liverpoolway.co.uk and grab a TLW season ticket for just £3 a month. There's tons of exclusive content, including match reports from every Liverpool game, weekly Premier League roundups, the TLW diary and access to the members only forum. Lastly, you can follow us on social media at the Liverpool Way on Twitter and at the Liverpool Way TLW on Instagram and Facebook. Dave? You have not really got much to add to that. I think Paul summed it up perfectly there, really. Um, one thing that I do remember from back then that I feel like it would be quite easy for us to bring back, and, and I do think it's like it would be good is before kickoff and every player got the name sung. Like mm-hmm. that's somewhere along the line, like we've lost that and it just yeah, it doesn't yeah. happen. And that was great. It was like and I don't think you can blame that on the fact that it's not a standing cop anymore. I don't think it's it's that specifically. Because no, that happened. It does make a I, I never went on the standing cop, so yeah, yeah. Uh, that that was routine in the mid to late nineties when I started going regularly. Yeah. I think it makes a bit of a difference in terms of not everybody's in the seat like yeah, ten minutes before kickoff, when the when the players are like, because they used to come out and they'd just be kicking the ball around for like a, a good few minutes. Even that doesn't really happen now. It's like they, they have the stupid like lining up, shaking hands, and then like they go to both ends, and it's like really quick. The the coin toss that one of the players is kicking about with the mascots, and everyone else is just walking around like high fiving each other, or whatever. And it's it's that's not the same. And I think as that's crept in. It's coincided with like the chant and the players' names sort of dying mm-hmm. off as well. Plus the fact half the team now haven't even got a song, which is another issue, you know, that well that yeah. sort and but again, the thing with that is like they have actually got songs. It's just they're not getting sung on the cop. You know, you, you see like in the fan parks and stuff and like lads on the coaches with different songs. So songs do exist for these players, but you just never hear them in the stadium for some reason. That's a relatively new thing, though, isn't it? That I think it's like mainly like the, we'd expect like our new players to have pretty decent songs by now. Yeah. Um, in most areas, really, but that you know, especially under Klopp, when you know you, you, we've got this the benefit of social media and the European aways and stuff, where yeah. they're <clears throat> they're really prominent. So I don't I, I don't really know what the solution was, to that is. I, I, I wonder if that's a f- remember remember when Klopp had to ask the fans to come up with a song for the play. Was it Bobby? I remember I Klopp I saying know. something like, you know, this player really deserves a song, and then like... Or Sadio, I don't know. I think it was Bobby, you know, before like, you know, the Bobby was, song took off. I was just thinking about what Chris said there about so many of these, these new players. I just wonder if it is slightly a timing thing with some of them, because we've had, over a two-year period, quite a lot of new players all come at once, and it's coincided with a bit of a drab disappointing period as well in terms of the football that we were playing it was almost like the end of it was almost like the change of the guard in terms of eras that suddenly sort of happened very very quickly and unexpectedly and I think those songs come out of big moments and big games in big seasons don't mm. they it comes out of yeah. excitement and, and there's still time for that to happen you know I still feel this season we could really have that a really exciting run in, you know, in in a few competitions, you know, I'm still hoping maybe we could have a few like Greek, Greek the coach moments, you know, as we get to the latter stages of Europe or the or the league, or both, um, and I think those are the times when you know when players when players have a big moment in those kinds of games and you get wins, um, you get wins unexpectedly or you get big goals and at, at, at crucial points, 
those are the sorts of things that inspire some of those songs. But I mean, it 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 is it is disappointing that uh, so many of them don't have them, um, you know. And I, 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 you know, and I, it's it's not really for me. It's 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 not really for me to sit here and say, I it's I can't really criticise and say I'll. Well, I have done. I've criticised and said that there doesn't seem to be the joy and the bounce in some of the songs. But there's a Curtis one that's going around, and it's it's a good idea, like, but it doesn't quite for me click it hasn't quite got the full bounce that you want it's based on the last tune yeah um and the lyrics aren't just aren't quite right but the, the gem of something is there but what it needs is it needs to get going and played around with at the game and um curtis to score a couple of good goals and everyone goes nuts and get it going that's what will really cement those things so i think it is a little bit linked with the football as well the lewis diaz yeah. one's got a good bit of bounce to it like that i don't know that one hasn't taken off Really don't know. I, I think that's good been, and it's, it's lively. He has been playing very well. I know, but the then that's even more reason. That's it. That's yeah, even yeah. more reason to do it. Like remember the other week. Mm-hmm. This is it, it, it's quite funny when you look back on it now because he's playing well at the last couple of games. Looks like he's turned the corner. It wasn't that mm-hmm. long ago he was sat on the bench crying after being subbed. Yeah. And then the game after that, I think it was, he was he was better. So that feels yeah. like a turning point for him. But like I do think that that song should be like ringing out around Anfield because it's one that'll get everyone going. And as Paul said, a lot mm-hmm. of them are kind of downbeat and dreary and they're not, they haven't got that like uplifting bounce to them, which gets a whole stadium like rocking. So yeah, the Diaz one, I don't know why that's not taken off. And just reinvent the Suarez one for Darwin. Yeah. That's another yeah. thing. It's like such an obvious thing to do. And that, that did get going to start with, didn't it? And then it just fell away again. I've heard that song in Anfield. No, but he they yeah. done it for Diaz, didn't they? And oh, was it Diaz? Yeah, it doesn't oh, work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't work yeah, for it Diaz. Diaz. It was like yeah. it was desperation because like the stuff was going on with his dad. It was like, oh, we need to chant something for Diaz, and they just kind of shoehorn that one in. It doesn't work as well. It it should be Darwin's song now. Chris, you can ask Suarez at the press conference if he's all right with us <laughs> passing his song down That's to right. his boy. That's right. <laughs> I'm sure he would be. I mean, he's yeah. he's the heir apparent. Um, no, that was me. If, if there's, <laughs> if, there's, if there's one thing I uh, could bring back to the match day experience at Anfield, uh, and it's kind of considered a bit wool and like lame to do it now, but the scarfs on the cop, I think it would be nice to, to bring that back. It looks fucking ace, and um, it's a nice connection with the past that's easy to maintain amid all the other changes around us. So, uh, yeah. you know, what, what do you mean? Like the twirling of them, like. No, no, like the you'll never walk alone. Oh, right, scarves. yeah. I thought you meant like, you know, a ring of fire and everyone twirling the scarf. But that's a, that's a byproduct of that as well, yeah. you know, and everybody having, yeah. you know, wearing a scarf to the game. I don't, it's, you know, it's a winter sport. So, uh, and I know it's considered a bit lame to be wearing colours now and you mark yourself out as a bit of a, I don't know, a bit of a wool or a bit of a whatever you want to call it. But I think it's cool. Yeah, and I it'd think be good to, fine, to see it back. Yeah, I yeah. think they are as well. All right. Fair enough. Um, so let's move on then. Um, this is a good question from uh, Total Longo. I'll come to you first on this one, Dave. Um, given the unexpected position of the team and the sheer number of worthy candidates, who has been the player of the season up to this point? I change on this from week to week. Like I, I would have said Alisson, and then recently I'm thinking Trent might be our best player the way he's played this season. But is that recency bias? Was he was he playing this well mm-hmm. earlier on in the season? I don't know. Virgil's been like really really good all season. Um, everyone else has had the moments like maybe not consistently great. So it's like people will say Mo as well, and I don't want to be down on Mo, but I feel like Mo's numbers 
are much better than the eye test. Like I'm not. All right, Stu. Fuck no, no, but I, I'm not. I'm not getting. I'm just saying when I see people saying he's been our best player, I'm like, I don't think he has. I think he's had like loads of performances where he's dummy heading, but then you know, he, the next week he scores and he gets the winner and stuff. So I think Mo's having a good season, but I don't think he's having a great season. And I think Virgil's having a great season. I, I tell you who else is having a great season, but he doesn't play often enough. Like to 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 compare him with Virgil, for example, Canate. I think he's he uh-huh. is he's a fucking great player, and I don't think like he gets the the not not so much from our fans. I just think you know nationally, I don't think people are onto how fucking great he is. They're going on about like Saliba at Arsenal, but Canate gets picked for France ahead of him. There's a reason for that. But it's just that, you know, he's not playing twice a week. We're having to be careful with him at times. But Canate is having a great season when he's been fit. Uh, but I'm yeah. going to say Virgil, I think. Okay. Paul? Chris, what was Phil's exact question? Was it best or most yeah. important most important player, best player? Is there a distinction? Player what, of the season at this point. Player of the season. Okay. Yeah. So, I... Th- I mm, I'm like Dave. I've been around. I mean, I've, I've been around the houses on this, and I think you know the players in my mind are Mo, Virgil, Trent, Allison, Joe Gomez, yeah, Joe and Gomez, Kurt, yeah, and, and, and Curtis Jones. Um, they're they're my, they're the, they're the ones in my head. I think the player who's probably done the most breathtaking things is Trent. Yeah. The player who has uh, probably got us the most points is Mo. The player whose overall contribution has probably been most instrumental in terms of galvanising the team is Virgil, his captaincy, his return to form, his, his imper- imperiousness at the back. Um, so it's a really hard one to answer at this stage of the season. I, I, I would put Joe G and Alisson slightly below that and Curtis as well. But one of the things I would say about Curtis is I genuinely, honestly think like he could be fucking like everything. I think he could be absolutely like ridiculously good, and I I feel a little bit alone on that platform. Like I know a lot, he's becoming increasingly more rated by lots of people, but I just look at some of the stuff he's starting to do now. You know, some of the absolute. I mean, that the, the way he took the piss out of um, Ben Shite. Uh, who what Ben Shite, That's right. And then who did he kind of like ping the ball around in his own area? The, the, oh, my, my mind is so shit. I can picture the move. He pulled this outrageous move the other day. Um, it's gone. I, I won't remember. But he's just—I I think he's—I just think he's so, so, so talented. But what we're seeing now is the application and the intelligence um, a, a aligned with that. But I think me, to come back to the question, it, for me, it's between Mo, Virgil, and Trent, and I find it hard to separate at this stage. I'm gonna say Mo because I think those goals and those assists have got us to the top of the table in a more obvious way than anyone else has got us there um, in a team sport. Yeah. So Mo, I'm going to say Mo. I would I would say Mo as well for exactly the same reasons. Plus, you know, you're saying Dave, he hasn't necessarily passed the eye test in terms of how well he's been playing. Neither is the team really for being top of the league. So True. I don't, I don't, I don't criticize him for that. I think the other um, factor to consider, even though he might not have been the, you like Paul, you mentioned Joe Gomez in terms of how important he has been to us just in terms of the number of roles he's had to fulfill and yeah. um, how accomplished he's been in all of them. he yeah. In my book, he gets extra credit for that. So I'd have him right up there as well. He'd be in my top five. Um, 
Nice. Is it on the quiet? You know? No, he played fucking midfield. Well, well, Jim, he's just gonna, on the quiet, he's becoming the new James Milner, isn't he? Yeah. Top of the yeah, lactate test of the summer as well after Millie went. Mm-hmm. He is becoming able to switch positions and play at a really high level in every one of them. And he's still only 26. He's not quite 27 yet. Nice. Fucking brilliant. Really good player. Okay. Um, so, Paul. Um, hold on. Man with a stick on the forum asked, what is the minimum requirement for this season to be, for it to be defined as a good one? Well, I suppose for me, it's about context, really. And, and you know, before we went into the season, with the amount of change, I would have taken... We just had to be back in the Champions League. And, you know, if you're talking minimums, that is the minimum for me. We just need to be back in the Champions League. I think... and I think, But I think we'll comfortably achieve that. So, if we're talking you have to now, really... that now. I yeah, so if we're talking now, I think I think we've moved a little bit beyond that. Um, but but that so but what we're talking about now is not the minimum. This is now what I think we can actually achieve. Um, <clears throat> I what, think. What we, would you be disappointed th- with though? If, if what would we need to do to make you? I will be disappointed if we don't finish top two and win a trophy. Yeah, same. I think I think we need to. Well, I just think winning a trophy is uh, there's an, always an element of winning a cup. There's an element of the lottery about it. Because it always comes down to, to key moments, and sometimes you can have you get a player sent off, you can have a bad injury, you know, like Mo in the Champions League yeah, final. True. You can have something like that that can happen, and that just kind of can take it away from you, and it's beyond your control, really. Sometimes it's just call it luck, call it fate, call it whatever. Even though I don't believe in those things, you know, you can just have some freak chaos, a freak occurrence, and it takes it away from you. But I I think because we I, I think we can go pretty much all the way in all four competitions that we're in, and if we finish. Any lower than second in the league from this stage, I'll be pretty gutted. Like, even though I felt we were going to finish second from the word go, but I thought it was going to be much more tortuous getting there. And even though we're now currently top, um, I just, I, I, I think there was more. I, second was said more in hope than conviction. Although I was mindful of the experience and the quality of players that remained at the club. I did think we've got some absolute winners there that Arsenal haven't got. Um, and I did feel that they would be significant. Um, but I didn't expect us to be so decisively, you know, um, ahead of where I expected us to be at this stage. So, yeah, top two and a trophy. That's, that would be my minimum from this point. Mm. Dave, you said you pretty much agreed with that, but you want a second trophy in terms of yeah. just to be, for it to be defined as a good season. Yeah, but Paul kind of swayed me on that a little bit, like because okay. I think we should win the the League Cup. I'd be disappointed if we don't win the League Cup now. Yeah, and I'm thinking the Europa League, but as you said, things can happen. You know, we could have like a, a freakish game where we hit the bar four times and we get a player sent off. You know, so something could happen that means we don't win that, and I wouldn't be disappointed that we haven't won it. Because I wouldn't be like holding it against anyone if we didn't want it. That's probably the better way to, to say that. But I do think a realistic expectation is two trophies and a minimum of second. Mm-hmm. Still got a chance at first. We'll see how that plays out. But expectations now are totally different to expectations at the start of the season because we've done so well. We've put ourselves in this position. So your expectations are going to change as a result of that. So what would have been a successful season back in August is now not necessarily a successful season because we've, we've done yeah. so well. So, yeah, I think top two and one trophy, but I do think 
realistically we, we could be getting to. We're still in the FA Cup as well. We've knocked Arsenal out, so who knows? Yeah. Could be a cup treble. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, the field's going to thin after that fourth round of the FA Cup because I think there's like four or five all Premier League ties again or something yeah. like that. So half of the teams are going to be gone. West Ham went out know, tonight. Yeah, and that's not, you know, that's without the proviso of more upsets. I've, since the start of the season, I've always thought that Europa League was a really good target for us this year. Get that in the bank, um, complete the set for Kloppo. Uh, I would be yeah, more be than happy to consider that a good season to win that and qualify for the Champions League in whatever position that ends up in the top four. I think that's, that in terms of minimum requirement, I'm still on the board with that. I don't care. I mean, as long as we're back in, really. Oh, like, if, if we're not, if we're well, not if we win first, the Europa doesn't League, matter whether we're. Exactly, but if we're not first in the league, I don't necessarily care too much in terms of our overall development, whether we finish second, third, fourth, or fifth. Like, as long as we're back in that tournament, that's fine with me. Of course, I want to win the league, and we're already. We've already. We'll, we'll get onto this with our next question, but we've already reached the point now where it's January, mid-January, and we're top of the league, and we will be gutted if it doesn't happen again now. So. Um, but in terms of minimum requirements, Champions League, Europa League, anything else from there on is uh, a really, really nice bonus. Um, so, Dave, come to you first on this one. Um, Adi Dazzlers on Twitter asked, um, we have a strong and fairly deep squad. Can we win the league without any new signings? Um, yes. And we'll have to, because I don't think we'll be able to sign anybody. But like I'm, my my view on this now is I don't really want us to sign anybody. I, I think unless like someone who you're planning on getting in, in the summer becomes available now and you think it makes sense to do it now rather than wait, that's fine. Um, but I don't think we need to do that. I mean, we've got so many injuries and yet we're still putting out a strong team every week, even with all these injuries. So we've got all of those players to come back. So. I don't think you can buy players because, like, for argument's sake, we're not going to do this now because Robbo and Costas are coming back, but I don't think you can go and buy a left-back because you've got two left-backs out injured. I don't think it works like that. You have to put your faith in the third choice, which is going to be, like, yeah. promising kid. You can't just buy players because you've got injuries. It's not well, something that we've done anyway. Well, there's a follow-up question that go we on. should touch on here at the same time because Terry on the on Twitter asked if Bradley, Bradley carries on well and playing well and neat. Absence of Trent, um, would you put Trent in midfield and leave Bradley where he is? That also plays into the fact of whether we should sign a right back, which is something that we have previously on this podcast talked about uh, needing. Yeah, I I didn't want a right back because I said Joe Gomez is is fine. That was before we yeah. seen how good Bradley was, so definitely right. not. As for whether he should keep his place, I don't think it's that black and white. I, I think it depends on like it's horses for courses isn't it like maybe for certain games when you need to rest people or whatever it's an option to have it's a good option to have but i wouldn't be doing it full time and hopefully he does do well enough to give you a decision to make but i don't think it's yeah. going to be a case of oh he plays every game now and trent's in midfield but yeah, maybe I, I, maybe now and again we might do it i've seen enough of bradley now to know we don't need a right back like yeah. i just you know the the, the the small bit we've seen already of just you no know, you're you're a real talented player. What I would say is, in answer to T's question, um, is I think we're in, a, we're in a title race and I think it's too soon for him in a title race. Now, you could argue Trent came in um, in a title race at 18, but we didn't win it the first time he was in there. So I think it is a little bit early. What I would like, what I do like the idea of at some stages, I would like to see, I don't think I probably will see this at all, and certainly not this season, as I would just like to see 
Bradley at right back and Trent in Dom's position as the right hand eight. And I know you could, there's all sorts of reasons to say, oh, well, you take away Trent hitting passes from deeper and what that gives you. But I also think you might see something else with Trent marauding in and around the goal and, and little link ups and all sorts of yeah. other little jiggery pokery and tricks that he could pull off up there. I'd like to see that. But in terms of Bradley getting a run and Trent moving into midfield, uh, no, not for me, not when we're going for the title. Plus, he's got to get for past Bradley. Gomez. Get past uh, yeah, of course, first. of it's course. Not just yeah, yeah. Because yeah, when the left agreed. backs are back, you, you're going to be looking at Joe Gomez as, as next in line at right back. So, I think yeah. it's a great problem to have if if Bradley really shines in the next couple of weeks. Um, well, we don't know how long Trent's going to be out. We're hoping it's it's what they said, but wouldn't be surprised if it was longer. You know, I mean, I, I on you. On your point about the signing, Dave, I absolutely agree with the point that you made about you know we've got two left backs out. You don't go and sign another one. Um, you bring the kid through and then you use a utility player and all of that. I mean, that's why they brought Owen Beck back from um, from his loan. Whether he'll play or not, I don't know, but that's but that's why they brought him back and that's one of the reasons why you have a, a youth development system yeah. and why at Liverpool we take youth development very, very, very seriously. I think Klopp, just as an aside, is probably the best, well, he is the best elite manager in the world for youth development, no doubt about it. Super brave, super talented at bringing those kids through. Um, and that's what that's for. And I don't want us to be signing players when we've got the likes of Owen Beck and um, Conor Bradley and people like that coming through. They should be getting opportunities. Otherwise, your whole system falls apart if players don't see mm-hmm. a potential route through. I can't really move away from the idea that I still feel once a left-sided centre-half. I don't think we're going to do it. I don't think the title will be contingent on that, probably. Just worries me a little bit. I just can't shake the idea that we're one more injury away from a massive crisis at the back and that would really piss me off if a title race was derailed because of injury but we shouldn't do something for doing its sake we should only do it if we've got an absolute top class option and that for me would have to be a young player um, and probably homegrown for those quotas Branthwaite so whenever you go yeah, under yeah your boy, your boy at Everton Dave <laughs> we'll get to um, that in a minute and the only the only other thought as well as is I just coming back and again I'm just agreeing with Dave really and just expanding the points a little bit further if there's someone that you might want to get maybe in the summer in the future and you can bring it forward you know uh, you know the the player who even though I am all I'm all in on the give Mo a new contract bandwagon by the way Chris that you started back in the summer but I'm also of the view that if we can get somebody really boss now um who can come through in that position as well doesn't hurt to have more goals in the team when you're up against City. Being I don't think that's going this week. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, Elise, and then there's and a the couple of there's Leeds. a couple of yeah, um, that, there's yeah, Somerville. and there's an also a lad from um, oh, is he playing in Portugal right now? My man's gone blank. Oh, I had a quick watch of him as well. Probably but if really we're trying good. to say him. Yeah, yeah, but I, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I don't whether that'll happen or not. I don't know, but yeah, I, I just think. Um, if we're going to do anything, I'd do that. But I'd, it's not. I wouldn't be doing deals for the sake of doing deals. It's got to be. I'm, I, I'm, I've always been happy with FSG's transfer strategy. I've never had a problem with it. The only time it bothers me is when we've got a proper, proper crisis and they don't do something then. And by do something, what I mean is maybe pay slightly over the odds to bring forward a deal that they were planning to do at some point in the future. I think they're just too wedded to the value thing. I'm quite happy for them to wait for the right player. I've got no problem with that. What I don't think they do when they need to sometimes is to say, "Er, club X, you you value you, we value him at this. 
you're saying if you're going to give them to us now, you want that, so we'll, we will do that for the sake of expediency. That's my only quibble around what they do, transfer-wise. Other than that, I'm absolutely sound with it. So, And I think you're right, Dave, I don't think we're going to see much. Would well, you know what's uh, something worth thinking about, though, on that? Just especially in light of what's been going on recently. And it was something that Linda said last week in his, in his press conference when he said something about how much money we spent in the summer. And I'm like, maybe there's FFP things involved here as well, where like there's not money to spend in January, because we just don't know, do we? We're, we're not looking at, we're not accountants, we don't know what the situation is. No, it's true. Maybe yeah. we can't spend anything in January, not anything significant anyway. So yeah. they are so waiting. So that be assuming the that the, the they knew the Kayseri thing was never going to come off, and it was a it was a chance act all along. No, maybe the the, the, um, if the money was there. Yeah, in but what August, they spent afterwards. So after we didn't get in, we spent thirty Grab whatever Endo, right? on Gravel Merch. We spent on Endo as yeah. well. Plus, it's the whole. Again, I don't want to get into all this accountancy bollocks, but like yeah, amortization yeah. over contracts, all of that stuff. We we just we don't know. We don't know how much money would be there to stay FFP compliant. I don't know. But I just think when when you see what's happening with like with other teams at the moment, you can kind of see why we've had the approach that we've always had, and it's you know it's yeah. sensible, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the trouble that Newcastle are in, Arsenal need to, need a striker and they can't afford one. Chelsea, yeah. <clears throat> oh, and also just a, just a quick one. I'm not not I'm not trying to be. Um, Picky, I just think we just need to get our terminology right now. It's PSR now in the Premier League, isn't it, rather than FFP? Yeah. That's uh, that's the new terminology now. We all need to start talking that language. I tend to think of FFP as well, but it's profit and sustainability rules. Mm. Um, which, uh, you know, as we were, we were chatting before we came on, Dave, John Cross tweeted today, it's the club's own rules, they've been in place for years. Yeah. People now seeing their arse about the rules that have been in place in the competition for a long time. And uh, they wrote them because they're, they're they're members of the Premier League. They're written by the clubs for the clubs. Yeah. There's only one thing I'd I'd want to add about the the signings and and falling back too heavily on some of the young prospects who are bringing through the likes of Bradley and Quanser. And I'm not sure this has been talked about yet, but I think we we are also seeing some sort of trend of the young prospects that we have coming through, coming a cropper to injury. So I'd be very careful with Bradley. I'd be more careful with Bradley than we have been with some of the other young players. I'd be very careful with Quanza as well because you just don't know mm. when you're going to break these lads. Yeah. Like yeah. they're in really important parts in their development. They're, the intensity that they have in training every day is yeah. incredible, let alone the match days. And you, just, you look at some of the young lads who've come in and have Bichetic come across. Like, like, Bichetic is well. the most. Ben Doak, uh, Kate Gordon, yeah. um, Ramsey. Like, yeah, like the, mm. the amount of players who've come through the system and had that's a good point that, really yeah. damaging long-term injuries that have put breaks in their development so I would I'd be very um, sort of skeptical about Connor Bradley keeping his place in the team for instance for that reason I just think we need to be more careful than we have been same with Quanta as well being an absolute regular we just don't want to break these lads and at the moment and you know as well Chris examples some, of, of us breaking them some of those players actually get a little bit out of sight, out of mind, don't they? And they will be factors in us not signing as well. Yeah. We've just mentioned about five players there that the club will have high hopes for, which uh, uh, have not been in or around the first team for ages. So they will not be, what unless they've come to a conclusion that those players are fundamentally broken, in which case they'll be, they'll be moving them on. But, you know, they will not be wanting to block the passage of those players either. So they will be part of their future um, squad development and um, transfer planning as well. So, yeah, it's easy to forget those sorts of players, you know, particularly by Chetich, who I think hopefully will be back this season. There's a difference, a though, 
like Bajetic, Ben Doak, Cade Gordon went from like youth team to first team. Whereas Connor Bradley was on loan in League One, played the full season in League One last year. Uh, he's a bit older as well, I think he's just 20, 21. Yeah, um, did that as Quanta well. had a season at, at Bristol Rovers <clears> as well. So they, they've played men, men's football, whereas mm. you go from youth football and it's, it's like it's the really talented kids who can jump from youth team to first team at Liverpool. There's not many can do that. You've got to be like an exceptional talent. Most of them need to go like the route of like under 21, loan, and then maybe come back like Bradley and Dan Quanset have done. It's the, the yeah, really young, t- yeah. But even, you know, yeah, because Harvey had that season on loan. He was, he was with the first team, then he had a season on loan, didn't he? To, it's your transfer to Curtis's, it. isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but look at Curtis. Look at all like the, the problems Curtis has had right. injury-wise. So yeah, true. Curtis is another good example of that. Like he, he suffered with injuries from going from like youth team to playing for Liverpool. It, it is. It's a big jump physically. But and growing pain others, stuff as well, isn't it? Stevie Connor, had a bit of that as well. Yeah, yeah. Growing pains is like a, a natural thing. But Conor Bradley's probably past that point now, hopefully, and he has got like a, a full season at Bolton under his belt. Whereas Ramsey so is still less... suffering, isn't he? Ramsey's just had like one yeah. thing after another. Um, so uh, who did I come to first on the last question? I want to make sure I share this around a bit. Um, it was you, wasn't me. it, Dave? It was me, yeah. 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 Oh, good. I'm glad this is not you then because it's related to your boy Darwin. And it's it's <laughs> it continues with the theme of um, what will need to happen in order for us to be successful and perhaps even win the league. Um, Stu Monty, uh, he's a pod contributor, but he's in this instance, he's a listener. So um, he asked, do we need Nunez to click this season to be successful? Click in inverted commas. Or could we still win the league with his current output? Um, a Darwin click, and then I think we're favourites for the league. And he also said he's currently on 0.97 goals and assists per 90 minutes. Goal plus XA is 0.71. For a slightly truer reflection of quality, I don't know what that means. Zero point eight one assist, that expected is. assist. Yeah. Goal plus expected assist. Okay. Zero point eight one goal creating actions. He's seventh in the league. Most t- shots on target in the decision in the in the division. Essentially, without clicking, the output is right up there. Scary if he kicks on. So, um, in your mind, Paul, is it necessary for? I think basically what Stu's saying is, do the goals need to start flying in if we're going to be successful this season? Um, I, I, I mean, I, I really haven't changed my position from the last time I talked about Darwin on the previous pod in that I kind of now in my mind I accept Darwin for what he is with the, the hope, if not expectation, although there is a little bit of expectation that there will be a click at some point. So to answer the question, can we win the league if he doesn't click? Yes, I think we can. Um, it's far more desirable that he does click, obviously. You know, we've got to this point, we're more than halfway through the season, we've played the same number of games as Manchester City, with Darwin playing as he's played, and we're top. So quite clearly, we can win the league. Uh, I do think, though, that City are going to start moving through the gears. It's a little bit ominous that that pair of dickheads um, came back from injury um, at the weekend. Oh, no, sorry, De Bruyne did, the other the other one. Actually, he's not a dickhead, De Bruyne, I like De Bruyne. No, but the other dickhead, dickhead is... The other dickhead isn't back yet, and he will be back. I think that's a little bit ominous. So I think we are going to need to find something else, probably, to keep us ahead of them. And that something else might be uh, the crowd at Anfield when when they come to us. It might be the bounce of the ball. Um, But I think what we're going to have to be doing is... 
turning some of those draws from the first half of the season into wins and that is inevitably going to mean goals and if you're looking for where more goals can come from you know the obvious answer I guess is Darwin so yeah to summarise I don't think he has to click for us to win but I think it's likely that um, it, it's far better for us if he does and I think if he does click if he starts producing the numbers um, the goals to uh, reflect that all that uh, expected goal nonsense that Stu was quoting there um, then I think yeah he's right I think we will we will comfortably win the league because the number of chances he's getting every single game are you know are huge if he turns some of the fraction of those into goals you know we're going to be battering teams we're going to be winning every week basically if he if he starts scoring in the way that he should be I mean, that that keys us into another question, Dave, from Monster Mush about um, a lot of people were quite down this this weekend seeing uh, De Bruyne come back and make two telling contributions to win a game that they were struggling in with, you know, 20 minutes to go when he comes on the field and he just he sort of just transforms it. And I think a lot of us are now kind of expecting them to go on this familiar run where they reel off 15 to 20 wins and um, us to have to match them to, to stand any chance. Like, do you see uh, a Darwin kick-on as something that can be instrumental in preventing that? And um, what else do you think it would take for us to sort of win the title? Um, and if so, would it be Klopp's greatest ever achievement? Um, <laughs> lots, lots to get through there. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, on, on the City, uh, De Bruyne coming back is obviously massive for them. Uh, not great for us. Blobfish is coming back soon as well, so that's not good either. Uh, we can't really worry too much about what they're going to do because when you look at the fixtures they've got coming up, the Newcastle game was probably the toughest game they had, and that was like the, the main hope that they might drop something in, in that game. They almost did, unfortunately, they never. And the, the run that they've got now is like they're just playing like a load of shit teams, so don't expect them to drop too many more points before we play them. So that just means we've got to take care of our own business. Um, yeah, we we can win the league with Darwin doing what he's doing now, but it'll be a hell of a lot easier for us if he does start scoring more. Um, and I'm saying scoring more. I'm not saying he's got to do too much different because I maintain what I said last time. A lot of it recently has been bad luck. Klopp even said that after the last game. I just think that's got to turn around at some point. I'm not talking about like the bad misses, the sitters and stuff. That's on him. A lot of the other stuff is just lot of averages, just fucking screwing him over. If that settles down, he will score more goals. But if he does actually click, as Stu said, then you know we'll take some stopping because we've done so well without him scoring that many goals. So yeah, if he can get more goals, that gives us our best chance. Uh, whether we'll be able to do it or not, I, I just, I just the thing that bothers me, and I said this like at the start of the season. What worries me more than Man City is the fucking referees. Man City just don't get the, the shitty decisions that everyone else gets. And I mean everyone else. Like Man United can point to bad decisions they've had. Okay, they've had like a lot the other way as well. Arsenal are always complaining about stuff. Like decisions have gone everyone's got like <clears throat> a beef about decisions that have gone against them, except for them. And I just I don't get it. It's like it's it's mad. How are they not getting like fucked over the way everyone else is? And it's like it's been going on for years. You'd think that with all the shit that's going on, the Premier League would want them not winning anything because of how embarrassing it is. So it comes down to the Premier League obviously can't influence PGMOL and they're just a law to themselves. 
Um, but that worries me more than anything. Is It's not even decisions that go against us. I'm not worried about the decisions in our games as such. I just wish it was a level playing field and City was subjected to the same level of shit that everyone else has to deal with. Because that just never happens. Even at the weekend, I didn't watch the game. I just heard everyone saying like Rodri was he was on a booking and he was just descent, descent, descent the whole time. And he's like immune to second yellow cards. It's it's absolutely he's definitely got Fernandinho's fucking immunity from like a second <laughs> yellow card. He can literally do whatever the fuck he wants and he'll never get a second yellow card. But that's the frustrating thing for me is. They just never are on the, the wrong end of these controversial decisions. So that makes yeah. it so much tougher for us. And the big thing that's just like looming over me, and I've been thinking about it a lot this week, I can't shake it, is if we if we miss out by like a point or something and we're going to be looking back at that Tottenham game. I just don't oh, know what don't. I'll do. Fucking hell, don't. I, I don't know how you come you back have... from that. You just have to have a different perspective on it like you have with all the other one-point games that you've you've dragged up not dragged up but held on to down the years because you just have to it's consider the fact though. that uh, no it's you just have to consider the fact that there's a whole new reality from every from the end of every game that changes the future for all concerned so like it's it's a you're looking at a reality that doesn't exist from the point that if we win that Tottenham game or get a draw or whatever just you can't you can't keep doing that to mm. yourself because it, it, you're creating a whole new timeline as soon as that game's <sighs> over I get with, that. with a million different permutations, so it's it, it's the multiverse, Dave. I, yeah, I've I've yeah. watched enough like Star Trek and that to to, to realize that I do get it, mm. but this is this is not like us fucking up at Leicester. You know, this no, is like it's, a, it's it's different, and that that's why it would just be it's a clear injustice, isn't it? Yeah, this? and and it goes yeah. back to injustice. this is exactly why it when if when it happened, it should have been the replay. It's too late for any of that shit now, but at the time, that's why it should have been because it's an asterisk over the whole season now. Um, hopefully, Nobody's the Premier League see now, that. They, and, they, so. Well, hopefully, the Premier League are like, you know what, fuck, put pressure on PGM or Well, say, you need to fuck Man City over. We can't have them winning the league, especially on the back of what you fucking did in that Tottenham game. Yeah. It's, Do you uh, know on the. Uh, I read. Oh, sorry. Paul, go ahead. Just, just on the bit of that, because I think he tagged on a little bit of something I put on Twitter the other day, uh, Chris, about the um, would it be Klopp's greatest achievements, and I, and I yeah. think it would oh, be. Oh, it would. Yeah, it I would be. I, I, I just think from from the from where we where where things ended um, last season, how despondent we all were, you know, and that was on the back of missing out on the quadruple by you know the skin of our teeth the season before, to to sort of be almost completely. Pull a new team out of the woodwork, um, in a typical Klopp fashion, in a way, you know, by by sort of bringing kids through and by um, and by signing completely unfancied players from from uh, the Bundesliga and um, by playing like a Premier brave League player in, well. in a different position, yeah, and, and and brave footy, and to just go from that, from where we finished last season, how shit everything was. To win in the title against this cheating juggernaut mm. would just be like off off the charts. Absolutely by, by off the charts. By far his biggest achievement, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, it would, yeah. Right. There are there a couple more questions um, about all of the all of the stuff that's been around this week about the profit and sustainability rules to use the correct parlance for a change. Um, but we've also got a League Cup semi-final coming up. Uh, I think it might be a week from tonight or a week from tomorrow. 
against Fulham. And um, somebody, let me just see who it is. Um, shit, lost it. Anyway, <laughs> whoever it was, I've got it written down here, but I can't quite put my finger on it. Um, oh, yeah, I hear it. It's Mega Drive Man on the forum said, considering that the EFL semi-final is in the balance, uh, Paul, I'll come to you first on this one. Would you be inclined to start Alisson in goal for that game and then give Kelleher the FA Cup game a few days later? Yeah, and I think, haven't we got form for this? Didn't Klopp do this in one of the competitions a couple of seasons ago? He did. Didn't he do he it? He said Alisson needed the game time because we'd we'd had a bit of a break. Yeah, and I I just I and and whatever reason he gives for it, he can call it whatever he wants. But if we're going for the trophies, I'm sorry, you put the best player in there. Um, unless unless they but they won't have it. There won't be a contractual obligation to Quiver. I don't think it'll be like Klopp has said to him. This is what we're going to do. And if Klopp is the fellow I think he is, he'll have allowed himself a little bit of wriggle room there. Because um, this is the guy who, who won't promise players time um, when he's wanting to sign them. Some managers will pro- promise a player they'll play him, and he won't make that promise. So I don't think he'll have made promises. So yeah, for me, you put the best keeper in there. I want to win that trophy, and I think Queeve has wobbled a bit this season. By the way, I'm not yet prepared to write Queeve off. By the way, as being a great talent, I think he has had a wobbly season. But we've got to remember, he still hasn't played. I think he's only played what 30 games for Liverpool or something like that. He's still young in goalkeeping terms. Um, but for me, no, if there's a chance to win a trophy, you get the big man in there. It makes all the difference. Yeah. Dan, are you going along with that? No, I, I'm not going along with it. Uh, not not what I would do, but I just don't think there's any way he doesn't play Kelleher. Oh, I thought we were asking what I would do. I thought, I'd, I'm not sure what Klopp would do, but I would, would certainly play Would you be Alisson. inclined? That was the question. Right, no, I'm not um, sure what Klopp would do, but I would definitely do. It would depend on what I'd told Kelleher. If I'd said to him, this is your cup, and I'm sure Klopp has referenced that before where he said this is his competition. Uh, so um, there the was that one example when... I don't know if that was the FA Cup, though, you know, Paul? I can't remember, Dave. No idea. Was it? Didn't he play Alisson in the, in the FA Cup against Man City? Did Queeve play in the FA Cup final or did Allison play in the FA Cup final? No, Allison played. Allison played in the semi-final for sure against Man City. But did I think. he play against Chelsea? No. So then, Queeve had both cup competitions that year, and Allison was brought in against Man City. Then, if that's the case. No, I I meant. No, Allison did play in the in the in the in the FA Cup. That's what right. I meant. And I think he played against City in the semi as well. But but Queeve played in the final against Chelsea. He was brought back in. So, yeah, because he scored a penalty, didn't he? Yeah, and he made a couple of good saves during the game as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I just think if you've said to him, you're playing in the, in this cup, then you pick him. And that goes for the final as well. And it, I I would be staggered if he doesn't play. Now, the FA Cup's a different matter. And I, I think it's a great question. And it's also like you could kind of pacify him a bit by saying... Okay, you're not playing in this, but you're gonna play in the FA Cup. But then, what do you do for the final? If you've told Keller this is his cup, he's gonna play. I feel like you need to see that through and and keep picking him. So, mm-hmm. that being the case, now if that's not the case and it's just being treated on a game by game basis, then you could bring Allison in. But I don't think there's any way that happens. I think that's not Klopp's. He's a man of his word, isn't he? You know, and, he, he's, and he's got brave, that, isn't he? Yeah, he's got that relationship with with players and that. If he's told Kelleher this is your competition, he'll play him, and it wouldn't matter if we were playing Man City in the in the, the final or the semi final. I think he would just play him anyway. Mm-hmm. All 
Fair enough. Um, Paul, this is another good one um, from John B., another podcast um, participant and li- turned listener in this case. Um, he's winner. asking the Ballon d'Or. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, we should just start calling him John Ballon d'Or instead of John B. <laughs> yeah. That's what the B stands for. Uh, he said, what would your first choice 11 be? And he, he puts the emphasis on your uh, as a throwback to the last question. What would your first choice 11 be if we had a cup final tomorrow, providing that everybody is fit? Ali, Trent, Ibu, Verge, Robbo. I think that's just absolutely nailed on. Yeah. Uh, Dom, Endo, Curtis. I think there might be some controversies in there. Um, Mo, Darwin, Diaz. Hmm. I just feel, I, I think Dom, I think there are question marks over. I mean, for me, Curtis is, Curtis is the form midfielder for us this season. Curtis has to play. He sets the tempo. He sets the pace. He's getting classier. He's adding goals. He's adding assists. Um, he, it, Curtis has to play for me. I think Endo gives us a solidity that no one else gives us and, it's, and without compromising um, the front foot stuff. Um, and Dom, there is a question mark over Dom, really. In that he's, you know, um, slid back quite away from the heights that he hit early doors. Um, so really, he's in there more on potential rather than current form. Um, and I think Maka probably could consider himself unlucky not to play. I think if Maka had played further forward, I'd seen him play further forward more this season. Maka might be an overdom in that position, but I think he's he's probably only played there once or twice. Not seen enough of him there. Um, so yeah, and in terms of the forward line, well, Mo's obvious. Uh, I think probably Diaz is the way, particularly as he's coming back into form is obvious. And Darwin, it's just that thing that the point that we've all made and Dave has hammered. He just makes things happen, whether he's scoring or not. And opponents don't like him, don't like playing him. So I think Darwin would have to start for me. So yeah, that's my eleven. Mine's the same team, except I'm having Macher over Endo. Other than that, same. So what, why, Dave, what's the distinction for you between going for Macca over Endo? Um, I don't think there's much to choose from them. Like, it, it, choose between them based on how they've played. Um, and I think Macca's just got that little bit of extra quality where he can play a defence split and pass or something. I know Endo's got the edge defensively, but um, with a front foot team, I'm going to pick the attacking option over the defensive option. So, yeah, I'd be going with Macca. Uh, but I don't mm-hmm. feel like desperately strongly about it you know I don't think it's yeah, a, it's yeah. an egregious choice you, you put an endo in there but yeah I'm taking Maka but everything else the same um, you could argue Jota on the left maybe but I like Jota coming off the bench so yeah that was in my mind as well yeah I'm going Jota through the middle with Darwin on the left mm. oh no no Diaz Jota taking well, no Diaz no he hasn't he hasn't shown me enough quite yet to show that it's yeah. It's going to be sustainable if I'm picking it. You That's know, fair. If we had, what's John's? Yeah, it's a cup final tomorrow. Mm. Um, I, I want Jota on the end of the chances, and I, I, I actually really like Darwin on the left. I think he can be more involved in the game that way as well. Like he's can be more. I think he's more creative from that position rather than sort of, you know, sometimes the game can pass him by a little bit when when he's up through the center, and um, especially as well when Robbo comes back, there's a real opportunity to to build something there too. Uh, with those two in the way that Robbo can overlap and uh, the way that Darwin can then cut inside and um, you know show what he can do on his right foot from there. So um, I'd agree with you on having 
McAllister in the six ahead of Endo, but there would very much be a horses for courses situation as well, yeah. depending on who we were playing in that final. So it's difficult. But I think the one thing that I would be, I think if it, the, the question is tomorrow, so it's it would be Trent at right back. But I'm a little bit along with you, Paul, in that I I wouldn't mind seeing like Gomez at right back full time, and then seeing Trent actually pushed into midfield full time, and what that looks like because we haven't really seen you know we've seen it to close a lot of games but not necessarily what it looks like from the start. So it's kind of, it's just something that I have in my mind on about going whole hog with it and remaining really solid at the back. Um, and given how well Gomez has done it, has done it right back when called upon and how well we've done late in games when that switch has been made. Yeah. Um, just something to think about, I think, but probably not if we had a cup final tomorrow. But you know what makes that easier to say though? It's the way Dom's been playing. If, yeah. if Dom yeah, was playing true. now the way he was at the start of the season... I don't think we'd be even bothered about, oh, do we put Trent in midfield? We wouldn't need to because Dom yeah, looks so true. great. Because he's yeah. fallen off and Trent's gone into midfield and done well, it is something to think about. And, and because Gomez has been brilliant at fullback, so it is like definitely discussion-worthy at this point. And I suppose it comes down to if it was getting played tomorrow. I mean, I know Robbo's not fit if it was played tomorrow, but assuming everyone's fit, based on form... Yeah, I mean, I don't even, I don't hate your Darwin on the left, Jota through the middle shout as well. You know, I wouldn't be against that either. It's good that we've got options, really. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's not like we're scratching around. And, like, and that's that's a, that's why we that's why we're where we are in the league, isn't it? Because we have got options. We've definitely got the strongest uh, squad in the in the in the league, in my view. Yeah, by far. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, there's one more question that um, pertains directly to us. Um, and then there's been a few that kind of um, touch upon the, the Everton situation and the ramifications of that with um, with Man City and, and, and the charges against them and stuff. But this is a fun one from Johnny H. Um, Paul, come to you first. If you could have one guest on the pod, who would it be? Uh, one LFC and one non-LFC. Okay, so the LFC, uh, there's three names, <clears throat> excuse me, there's three names that sprang to mind. I mean, I think the obvious one is it'd be fucking great to have Jurgen Klopp on the pod, wouldn't it? Mm. I mean, can you imagine having Klopp on the pod? It would be absolutely sensational. The only thing is, I think we probably, if we were going to do it, well, we would have to do it. We'd have to take our boy James up on on his offer to use his studio and we'd have to do it all all sitting in the round and facing each other because I don't think we'd get a word in edgeways otherwise with Klopp yeah. if we were trying to, <laughs> we're trying to talk to him. We'd have to be able to read body body language and what have you. But it'd be fucking brilliant to, uh, to to have Jürgen on. The other two names, I mean, one I one is, is someone who's been on the pod before, which is Carrot. I fucking love Carrot. I've always loved him. I always will love him. I think many Reds now taken for granted because he's on our screen so much. I think familiarity has bred a little bit of contempt amongst some Reds with him as well. Maybe contempt, contempt is too strong a word, but I just think he's taken for granted a bit. I still think he's a, he's a phenomenal uh, brain about football and also a great talker about football. I'd love to, to, to chew his ear off. And then the other one, just for purely personal reasons, and Chris will think I'm trolling him now, is I would genuinely love to have a conversation with Luis Suarez. I'd like to talk to him about some of those crazy moments. I'd like to understand his mindset when he's playing. I'd really like to explore that hunger for football that he has. Um, what what comes to him when he pulls off some of those outrageous moves and the great goals that he scored. But I think the top top of those three, it would be Kloppo. So Klopp would be my one guest. In terms of <clears throat> excuse me, in terms of non LFC, well, leaving leaving aside the fantasy of 
getting Pep Guardiola on and grilling him about his is cheating as a player with drugs and is cheating as a as a manager with fucking money and cheating at Barcelona when they're paying refs, which he probably I wouldn't probably get one word out before he'd walk out the fucking soft cons. Um, leaving that aside, I think it'd have to be I fucking love Ian Wright. It'd be Wrighty. Just over, just over Roy Keane. I really like Roy Keane as well. The problem with Roy Keane is I think Roy Keane takes a while to warm up to people, and I think we'd struggle to get a lot out of him. Yeah. But Ian Wright is yeah. off. I just fucking love Ian if Wright. Get both of them on. Oh, yeah, that that would work. <laughs> that would work. But the other thing about Wrighty is he's, he's as he's admitted many times, he's got a soft spot for us. Yeah. His older brother supported us. He always talks fondly about us, both in the past and now. And he's just such an infectious, likeable fella and really knows his football as well. Um, I loved him as a player, love him as a pundit, love him as a fella, and I think he'd be absolutely fantastic. So, yeah, Ian, so Jürgen Klopp and Ian Wright. Yeah, I love Wright as well. Um, So I would say Klopp's an obvious one. The only thing with Klopp is that there's like certain things that he probably wouldn't really dive too deep into yeah and, I'm assuming we'd, we'd chat off, off air as well yeah, Dave so um, and, and <laughs> we can Chris, have a ghost pod as well <laughs> Chris would have to completely rein in as Darwin slander because Clapper wouldn't be having that he'd be, he'd be shouting at him even more than I was <laughs> but I actually think somebody would be great to talk to would be Pep Linders because he doesn't have that filter that Klopp's got I, I think like you ask him a question and he just answers it He's, yeah, he's not, a good point. His press conferences are great. He gives you stuff that like that that Klopper won't really give you. So I'd I'd like to have a chat with him. I think he's interesting and he's really open, and he's dead enthusiastic when he's talking about footy. So I'd like to have a chat with Linders. Um, non LFC. I went like non non footy with this one. Mm, I'd okay. love Charles Barkley on. Charles Barkley oh, yeah, is like nice. one of the funniest people on the planet, and he'll talk about anything. Like I've listened to like loads of stuff that he's been on, and he's not talking about basketball. He's, he's he'll talk about literally anything, and he's just hilarious. And he's like, I, I think he's like a national treasure. He's like the the, the best American on the planet. Love him. <laughs> so it, it, it'd, be, it'd be great. Apart from Meg, if you're listening, Meg. Yeah, there you go. Apart from you. <laughs> Charles Barkley, best American, best American on the planet. Um, nice. So yeah, that would that would be my two, probably Pep Linders and Charles Barkley. What about you, Chris? Uh, you know, I I thought about this one a little bit. Um, uh, there was a time when I really wanted um, I really wanted Michael Owen to to come on with us because I I felt for a while that I think that he got a little bit not a raw deal but I think he was a little bit misunderstood mm. in terms of his departure in terms of um, how well he's thought of as a as a player for us in terms of how the club have kind of made him persona non grata in terms of his contributions but I've kind of softened on wanting to do that over the last sort of year or so when I just think he's just not that fucking interesting really I wanted yeah. to I, my idea was to give him a fuck like similar to Cara did on the podcast that they did together. Just give him more of a forum and talk to him from more of a fan's perspective about how yeah. we felt about it and give him a right to reply. Yeah. Now, I I would also like to do that with um, Henderson as well. If I could get like a a real sort of like honest sit down chat with him, if he would be frank about his regrets and that kind of thing. Um, you know, um, there's there's just so there's just so many Liverpool players that you'd really just want to like dive in really, really deep with and be able to have that conversation and talk to them from a fan's perspective rather than just 
you know, some a reporter asking them questions. Um, in terms of non-LFC, man, um, maybe. God, I don't know. I really haven't really thought about that one. Keanu Reeves, maybe. I fucking love <laughs> Keanu Reeves, and he's just like a really kind of like decent bloke. Really nice yeah, guy. I'd love to talk to him. Uh, maybe like LeBron James or someone like that, just to get inside the mindset of no, he's like, non LFC. Really. Oh yeah, I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's he's more significant to LFC than than we are. Probably he gets more of a say in stuff. Uh, yeah, but. but yeah, just um, any you know any one of my number of my like favorite musicians, and just to have the ability to chat with you know with them long form, um, would, would be really cool as well. But um, in terms of Liverpool, in terms of it being in the context of a Liverpool podcast, I haven't really got a good answer for that because you know, obviously we'd want them to come on and uh, and you know and talk about the Reds stuff. So it wasn't just us talking to a celebrity, although I think that would be um, really really fun as well. I've also I'm in a quite privileged position that I've also managed to talk to a lot of people that I hold in very high regard so um and so that's that's kind of cool so it kind of left lessens the playing for me playing field for me a little bit um, what's your favorite one ever yeah I think probably um Brett the Hitman I Hart, knew you were gonna say my that favorite yeah I knew you were gonna say from that the, like a <laughs> WWF wrestler he was like my hero from like when I was a kid I suppose um and I got to talk to him for about like half an hour, 40 minutes, about 2008 or so as well. Um, Johnny Barnes was another one. I only got to chat to him at some kind of sort of like weird, um, I think it was like a Snickers publicity event or something. Um, Mr. T was another great oh, one. That I did. Oh, brilliant. That's fucking brilliant. So I think in that, that, in that summer I did, it, it was me basically just meeting a bunch of my heroes. I got like Roger Federer, Kirk Hammett from Metallica, Nature Boy Ric Flair, Woo! Brett the Hitman Hard, <laughs> <laughs> and Mr. T. So I just it was just like basically a summer of me talking to loads of people I had great admiration for when I was a kid. So that was awesome. That's but a boss. Yeah, it was ruled. Um, so yeah, um, so this is the point where anybody in the podcast listening fraternity who doesn't want to hear the stuff we're going to talk about about Everton's charges and the reaction to. Man City's absence thereof of any action can probably tune out at this point. That's why I left it to this point because we have a propensity to go on about this stuff a little bit and it it gets a little bit repetitive. But um, <laughs> Dave, on a scale of one to ten, Manny asks, "Just how fucked are Everton?" Eleven. <laughs> Not even because of this, like the latest charge. It, it goes way beyond that. All this stuff with like seven, 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 and the money they owe them. If the takeover doesn't go through, they're fucked because they've got to pay that money back to them. If it does go through, they're fucked because they're a bunch of cowboys. I, I don't see any way out of this for them. I just think it's like, you know, it, it it's serious, serious trouble for them. And they may be looking at like further points deductions just from... Because you, you can't really see any other alternative here other than like bankruptcy. With, given like the debt and everything else. Unless somebody else comes in and buys them. Not well, do you know... Jokers, they're fucked. Do you know, Dave? That's when when I was when I was thinking about my answers to this. My answer was going to be quite short on this, really, in the because we've done the whole Everton's finances and all that to death. I think in the pod over the, over the last year or so. How fucked are they out of ten? Well, I, I don't think there's any way you could argue they're not a ten. But if, the reason they're maybe not an eleven is simply because. Because there's no shortage. So 11's not out of ten. <laughs> well, you you're the one who said eleven. <laughs> um, 
there's a, there's I gave them a nine out of ten, and only because there's no shortage of rich pricks every, yeah. all over the world, but particularly in America, who want a cheap Premier League club with a stadium, a fan base, and a history. Now, whatever opinions we might have about any of those things, Americans are queuing up to get on the Premier League gravy train because they see what I've been banging on about for years about how Premier League football is still not monetized in the way American sport is. Um, Premier League clubs will at some point in the future overtake the biggest American franchises. I know there's still some way to go, but it will happen simply because one has a truly global reach and the other has a semi-global reach. Um, and, I, and I think that there will be people who want to who wanna take them on. Now, you could argue that, <clears throat> excuse me, Bankruptcy brings its own problems for new owners. Um, relegation brings problems for new owners. But none of that quite negates the fact that I think you still you buy that stadium, you buy a reasonably sized fan base, and you buy the history. That's something you can work with if you're going from a clean slate. If you're doing what some owners have done when they've come in and taken over these clubs, so I think that that will that will be a possibility. There will be people looking to spend big money on Premier League clubs, but they want to maximise value. I mean, just look at what FSG did. Just remind ourselves, they paid three hundred and a bit million, whatever it was, for us. The club is worth well over ten times that now, um, and they haven't put loads of their own money in. They haven't had to, um, and you know that's that's well, basically. Not yeah, it's just it's fr- well they can into investments, can't they? But they have, but they haven't done that. It's basically just free cash. So and that's because what they've done is they've run the club well, and they've um, been on board the Premier League gravy train. They've found ways to maximise the um, awful phrase brand. So Everton's brand is not comparable with ours, but Everton's brand is also not insignificant. They do have a fan base. They've got a stadium, and those things will be worth something to somebody. So you can't rule that and out. It's equally, but, Everton's brand is easily as as big, or if not more significant than Manchester City's was before they absolutely before absolutely. they were taken over. So. Absolutely, and but the long the, and the, the short of that you I, mentioned there, Paul, is the I'm same. The, the free stadium, yeah, absolutely, you know, a stadium that somebody else has paid for, absolutely. which adds a huge amount of value but to the proposition. In terms of the the fuckedness of where they're at, they're fucked. They are fucked. They're in serious, serious trouble. But that is their get-out-of-jail card, I think. That's what I said. Unless someone else comes in and takes them over, they're absolutely... There's no way out of it for them. Yeah. But this 777 stuff is... is I mean, it's, all, it's almost like a... It seems to me like a Soprano-style bust-out where you basically just... You extract all value you can from the asset... And then you just let it die. It doesn't seem to me like a, a sustainable way for them to continue it's existing fellas, if that's the future for them. Torching yeah. the restaurant. Right. Run up all the debts and then torch the restaurant. Right. Claim on the yeah. insurance. I mean, the the Everton, Everton getting the new charges this week has brought into light um, just how much inactivity there is in terms of the Manchester City case, which, you know... Forest and Everton have new charges this week. While there are still charges that predate what Everton were hit with previously, that uh, aren't even close to being resolved. Like, where are you at with that, Dave? Look, I understand all the reasons that they give why, and it all makes perfect sense. It's a bigger case. It takes longer to get all the information together. You've got to make sure it's watertight because City's lawyers are going to be all over it. It's dragged on as long as it has because City just keep putting roadblocks in front of the Premier League, not cooperating. 
Everton cooperated, Nottingham Forest cooperated, they basically admitted that they were guilty and they're just saying mitigating circumstances need to be considered. Premier League probably won't take those um, circumstances into account, it'll probably be more points deductions. And while I completely understand the reasons why Man City is, is not going to happen soon, it doesn't make it any easier to take. And if I was an Everton fan looking at that, and or a Forest fan, I'd be like, "What? you're picking on the little guys here. And it's like, I said this on the forum, Everton are basically like a shoplifter who doesn't really know what he's doing. He's like drunk, he's gone into a shop, he's grabbed like three packets of Revels, shoved them in his pocket, he's looked up at the security camera and gave a stupid grin and walked out and they've got him and they've charged him and punished him. Mm-hmm. A Man City are basically like the fucking Yorkshire Ripper. They're just leaving bodies everywhere. They're covering the tracks. They're refusing to answer any questions. Which is the easier case to prosecute? It's fucking the shoplifter, isn't it? So that's everything have have been done because it's a smaller offence. It they've not. It's a different offence as well. You know, it's different charges that have been brought. We know that as well. Everton basically fucked up. They had they didn't try to cover the tracks at all. They've like shown that accounts have gone. Yeah, we've gone over. Man City are like, you're not seeing our accounts, fuck off, no. Yeah, that sponsorship yeah. deal's perfectly legit, you can't prove otherwise. So that's the difference, is like, one is just not really fought the charges or argued against it, which makes them really easy to punish, and that's what's happened. And and so they should be punished, you know, they broke the rules, other teams have suffered as a result of that, teams got relegated while they stayed up when they weren't playing by the rules. So, yeah, they deserve whatever punishments they're getting, but that doesn't make it any easier to take when you see, like, Man City just carrying on regardless. They've fucking sneaked up to, like, two points behind us now. We're looking over our shoulders going, are they going to pip us to the league again? It's it's like you've it, going back to the Yorkshire Ripper analogy. It's like they're not even in jail; they're just letting them stay out and just keep murdering, and then eventually they'll get round to to, yeah. to stopping it. But in the meantime, when when Man City eventually get get done, and whatever the punishment is, which we, we none of us have got any idea what will happen, but whatever it is, it doesn't change the fact that how many titles are they going to have had, and how they've what it'll be like. Probably, if they were to win it this year, that would be four times they've taken a title off us through cheating. Arsenal got done last year by them. They would have had a title. United have had a couple. Um, I don't How know. many seasons have they ruined for, if, for yeah, exactly. all the they've, fans? They've ruined. All, we've, yeah. we've spent like fortunes, not us, football fans right across the country, we've spent fortunes watching a competition which is supposed to be like a level playing field, may the best team win, all of that stuff, and it's not. It's basically, it, it, it means nothing. You know, they've totally ruined football for the last yeah. 10 years. You, I mean, they fucking ruined it with the cheating. No punishment that they get will be severe enough. I mean, let me let me just come in at that point and to say that, you know, I, I and so I'm I, I'm I feel okay about it really because one of the things that I've I've, I've been relative impressed is too strong a word really, reassured by is the Premier League's sort of dogged belligerence in not talking about it and just seeing it through. And I know it started ages ago and I know we still haven't it still hasn't come to fruition and I know it might go on and on and on and on and on. But the fact that Masters wouldn't talk about it in Parliament today, I think is a good sign. I think they've got the bit between the teeth and they're thinking we're gonna not let any little slip up get in the way of achieving what we want to achieve. That doesn't make it that doesn't take away the foul stench of the whole thing. And it doesn't it doesn't kind of um, assuage the sense of injustice that lots of other fans must feel seeing 
their own clubs being punished while these get away with it. But I, as long as ultimately they're found guilty, then I'll be sound with it. The only problem is I slightly fear, going back to what I was saying before, about there's all the accountability in the world for those in the middle or especially at the bottom, but there's fuck all for those with power at the very top. Money always And these, these people are some of the most powerful in the world. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an oil state. Um, and I just, that's, that's, my, that's my worry. And they're basically, some of those leaked emails, the, fo- the football, football leaks, football WikiLeaks emails, um, you know, they're belligerently saying, the, one of them was, was it Sheikh Mansour himself? Somebody quoted in there, or was it, no, Khaldun or whatever his name is, quoted in there as saying, we'll just hire, UEFA can get as many lawyers as they want, and we'll just spend the next 10 years getting the 50, 500, 5,000 best lawyers in the world, tying them in knots until eventually it all goes away. And that is their strategy. That's what's been borne out. They've now been charged with obfuscation and delay. That's some of the charges relate directly to what it says in those emails they were going to do. They've been charged with that. And so that is a concern. But I think ultimately, if we get anything even vaguely approaching um, a guilty verdict in that, yeah, you cheated, sound, sound, all of this will be fine but when i talked about that death by a thousand cuts earlier of all these little things this is one of the bigger of the little cuts that really sort of kills that love of the game you know if they do get away because they have cheated they have cheated they've been proven to cheat same as guardiola like was proven twice to fail the drugs test as a player and got he was sentenced to jail and, and got got away on a technicality you know the same result these things are actually factually correct this has happened what we're talking about now is just whether there's going to be justice about it or not um, and if there's a lack of justice on this, this will just be one more pretty hefty nail in the coffin of the love affair that we all have with football. What yeah. do you make, Paul, of the absence of um, media coverage on City's stuff? Is it just, I mean, like, they, they tend to, we tend to see them waxing lyrical constantly about how great Guardiola yeah. is, like how tremendous they are as a team, how well coached they are, the scale of what they've, the unprecedented scale of what they've achieved. Like in in some ways, we we need to rely on our press a little bit more to sort of call this. Call I think this stuff out a little bit and not be so. I think there's a couple in it. There's a couple of things going on there. I think we need to think in terms of the different purposes of different elements of the football media. So I think you know the 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 the, the talking heads around the game. <clears throat> excuse me. It's it's not in a, in its purest sense entertainment for Sky or TNT or whoever to just be caveating every single conversation with 115 charges. It almost becomes ludicrous. But I also think there's a there's a sense I get from most of the players that they actually they don't care. You know, they just, in their minds, they see it, they kind of see it all as some sort of purity of footballing ability. And the, the amount of money that's paid is almost incidental, ignoring the fact that City wouldn't have been able to accumulate all these players if they hadn't cheated. They just see it as a, a sporting contest on the pitch. They've managed to accumulate all this talent under this leadership and it can beat anything in front of them. And they want to see it in those, in those quote-unquote purest of terms. There's another element of the football media, the sporting media, which is more on the news side. And I think they have kept plugging away, but they don't have as high a profile. You know, our boy um, Nick Harris continues. Uh, I mean, he's a, he's a, he genuinely is a he's an incredible guy, a national, yeah. national treasure as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, love him. He's fantastic. You know, he's kept plugging away. Rob Draper, the same. 
Um, David Kahn in a smaller way and on other issues, you know, have done bits and pieces. John John Cross has touched on it as well. Ron you know, Harris these people as well, are. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, they, those people. Those people are out there and they're telling the story, but there's only so many ways you can tell the news story of it. As a news story, it's only news when it's in the news. When there's nothing happening, you can't keep recycling it. And I think on the other, and, and in terms of the sporting narrative, people are bored of it. And also, the, when I say people, I mean the talking heads who are paid to talk about it. And also, it's not seen as entertaining. It and it also it cheapens the product. You know, Sky don't want to say that their perfect product that they pay all these billions for um, is tainted. You know, they have to, they're forced to talk about it at times, but they don't want to keep, you know, putting that narrative out there because ultimately it undermines sales of, you know, subscriptions. But People don't reasons, want to pay for a tainted product. All, all the things you've said there, there's reasons for all of that. You know what I can't get me out around? How come, like, every, every game Man City play, the fans of the other team should be fucking baying for blood and calling them all the cheating bastards under the sun. That should be the narrative. Every game they play, they should be getting subjected to that from, from like the other team's fans. And it's like, no one really gives a shit about that either. Everyone do we even probably, do that? We don't do uh, that? No, I don't think so, but I think we might. I think we might do when we play them. Well, maybe that's the next step. I think well, Dave, maybe, if, maybe if it's four seasons on the bounce when they win the title... You know, the under treble last season, and we get into kind of like, you know, one horse race territory. Maybe finally people see the writing on the wall. You know, Arsenal fans still haven't quite understood what happened to them last season, yeah. have they? No, I thought true. they were starting to, and now they they, they're no. not. They've wavered, they've fallen away, they've gone the other way again. They're looking in different directions. It's funny seeing think, Everton fans complaining about it now when they yeah. fucking lauded City for so long. Yeah. They, they really. Thought the cheating was hilarious when it was stopping us winning stuff, but all of a sudden now it's like, hang on, look. Now up it's there, a double standard. Fucking Man City fans at, at Goodison the other week down, they were fucking, they were singing about Everton being like cheating, cheating bastards. I'm like, oh, you shameless twats. Absolutely sickening. But um, obviously, Forrest are going to have beef now as well because they've been charged. They're going to be looking at that and going, well, this isn't right. I mean, plus all the like the likes of other clubs who've who've tried to stay within it and are hamstrung by yeah, the sustainability rules. Yeah, exactly. Can't make signings. Like even, you know, there's there's five or six clubs, isn't there? We mentioned them before that yeah. are struggling to operate. While your city just gets to swan around doing whatever they want and. But they're not even spending much anymore because they don't need to because they've given themselves like that that big head start over so long. They've cheated for so long. They're now in a position where they just make like one big sign every summer. So they're not actually taking the piss that much now. And sell a Cole Palmer. Sell a Cole Palmer. It's pure profit. Yeah, but what they are doing... Move move Oscar Bob on if they need to, you know, whatever. The thing that they are doing that like that nobody really talks about and probably because they're not submitting the accounts, it's like it's hard to, to prove... All of them sponsorship deals are all fucking bullshit. Yeah, you know they're all everyone. massively inflated. They're all coming paid out of their owners' pocket. Whatever. More income than Real Madrid. Fuck yeah, off. I, that's what I mean. It's all of that's just fucking nonsense. It's it's so they're still cheating now just because they're not spending crazy amounts on transfers. And the other thing is like how many players are getting paid off the books? There's no way Haaland's wages that he's supposedly getting is what he's actually getting. He's getting way more than is getting reported. I'll, I'll, that's a fucking hill I'll die on. There's just there's no doubt about it. But proving that when they're not letting you have access to the accounts and all that is, you know, this is what the Premier League's up against. Every time like they're trying to get 
copies of like you know relevant documents and all that. You just go no, mm-hmm. not giving you that. Like there's a guy posted it all on Twitter tonight. Like the timeline of it all when things were requested, City said no. It went to court. They were told no. You've got to give that. Then they did. Then they requested something else. City delayed it. Went to court. That's why it's still got. It started in twenty eighteen, I think, and they've just delayed and delayed and delayed and and there's still no no end in sight really. Um, the one thing I would say about all of that that you're talking about there, Dave, is just because this case is ongoing now. Some of the some of the some of the better newspapers and journalists will be doing ongoing investigations now. Mm. They will be looking at some of those things. Some of them will be investigating Harlan's finances. They'll be investigating Guardiola's finances. They'll be looking for those things. Now that doesn't necessarily mean they'll find it. There'll be private investigators who'll be after stuff. Will be after dirt on it. Well, if there will so, be people. Paul, this is how you do it. If if it was me, I would set up an account in Abu Dhabi. For Harland, and I'd pay a shitload of money, and I go. Once you've left, once you've retired, that that money's all yours. You can just take it then. And who's going to know about that? Because if you request from like a bank employee Abby, or somebody, yeah, there's but, always somebody who'll speak. Yeah, and then there's they'll always... get the fucking heads chopped off. It's like it doesn't work like that, does it? The WikiLeaks came out. Though there'll be a technical, there'll be a data. Somebody, people. I'm not saying they'll find it. I'm saying people are looking. People are still looking, and you don't know what'll come out. And it'll all come out, and it'll be too late by then anyway, because they'll have all left. And City, City in, in probably 10, 15 years' time, City will be, the Abu Dhabi will have fucked it off and City will just be left to rack and ruin. But that doesn't change all what's happened now, does it? That's the no, problem. I, I'm not ruling out that they're getting away with it. I still think something could happen. I still think that something could happen with the, the Premier League charges. I'm saying whatever happens is not going to be anywhere near the justification like to me it's it's really simple like whatever the punishment is it's got to be severe enough that they think wasn't really worth it was it otherwise what's the point if you give them like points deductions you relegate them whatever and they've still got those titles to show for it they're gonna like yeah okay so we're in league two now but we'll be back in a few years and it was worth it look at all the memories we got look at all the trophies we won <clears> all of that stuff you've got to take everything off them well they maybe that's they the will. first stage you've got to strip them it goes everything. to an independent panel so maybe they yeah. will well that, that's that's like that's step one you've got to take everything off them before yeah. you start talking about points deductions relegations all of that stuff first and foremost those titles they cannot be allowed to keep them that simple and then we can talk about what happens after that but that's the that's the starting point to it anything less than that is just not acceptable just to bring that back to just to bring it back to Liverpool for for a second presuming not presuming but in the unlikely event that they did get titles taken off them and um, the uh, the additional trophies came to us um, would you have like Hendo and Raheem Sterling back to be presented with like medals on the pitch and stuff Paul that's from number two on the forum Uh, no I, I, I wouldn't be of it. No, I, there, there shouldn't be any sort of. I wouldn't have. I, I don't think I'd do that. Um, I certainly would want it up all on the champions wall. I'd want I'd want all those numbers, trophies adding onto the champions wall. Um, I don't know if I could bring myself to fully. I, I mean, who knows how I feel at the time? Maybe I'd go absolutely fucking nuts. But I don't think I could bring myself to celebrate. I certainly don't think there should be some sort of like public celebration in that way because it's it's already tainted and that we didn't get a chance mm-hmm. to celebrate it at the time i think those players should get their medals i think maybe those players should have a chance to gather as a squad in private to have them presented but uh i i, I wouldn't really be in favor of a big 
all come back together and celebrate. And besides, you know, I don't want to, it's implicit in the question, I don't want to celebrate with Raheem Sterling, I don't want to celebrate with Jordan Henderson, so... No, not for me. Yeah, I don't think it was a serious question, Paul. I think he was taking yeah. first, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe you, you could, though, couldn't you? you no, know, you, I know maybe. In, in terms of like you're saying about like you wouldn't want like uh, presentations and all stuff like that. I, I'm with you. But in, in terms of Sterling, well, I was going to say just take back all the medals you won at City and say you can keep one for, for 2014. But actually, no. Let him fucking keep his medals and he can keep one and give all the others to Henderson for how many that city fucking screwed Henderson out of. Um but you know what's gonna happen is like even if if they get stripped of the titles, those players in their heads, they've got the medals, they've still won those trophies, City'll still have it up on like if they've got a, a wall of honour, whatever, they won't take it down. They'll still pretend that they've won it. But at least if it's officially taken off them, that's what I want. Take it off them. And then if it gets awarded to the second place team, so be it. If it doesn't, as long as they they are not getting credit for shit that they fucking cheated to win. Yeah, right. good stuff. Yeah, all agreed on that. Um, uh, just to take you behind the the, the fourth wall, uh, or to break the fourth wall for a second, I've just had a text from Paul saying we're approaching two hours and he needs to get to bed. So um, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna. Ten to midnight. I'm in work tomorrow. Yeah. I turned into a pumpkin two hours ago. <laughs> You're the reason That's why right. we're still going. <laughs> <laughs> I All was right, going to be short boys. on this answer, but I'm actually just going to talk for 10 minutes instead. <laughs> <laughs> as, such is uh, such is the way these things normally go. That's why I wanted to, to get all the, the questions about us in before we started going on yeah. about other people, because, you know, it does take, tend to go on a little while. But I think we covered some good ground there. Thanks very much to everybody for submitting the questions. It yeah, really gives us a good opportunity to, you know, come together and have a chat and, and provide you with an episode when there's uh, when there's no games on but thankfully there's only three or four more days now until the reds are back in action um i think it's sunday isn't it 4 30 kickoff away at bournemouth dave uh, i'm sure you'll be back with the lads right after the game there yeah. um, hopefully have the episode up sunday night for you to listen to either then or uh, on the way to work on monday um good stuff you guys uh, anything else that we you wanted to get in before we just no let paul go here? to bed the old man needs to sleep (laughs) happy trails mate and um, I'll speak to you both soon Uh, nice one mate thanks everybody for listening we'll catch you soon the best word I can say but uh, we'll describe this was boom (laughs) 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 what was this it was really good